Hey everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 204. Hooray! Hooray! And we're back. We are. The week yeah, well, yes, yeah. Uh, although it feels like I've been away for ages because uh, the last time that I was on the, the podcast proper was just before UK Games Expo. That's true. And Yep, and then I did three episodes with Ben and Stephen, and then you guys have done one episode without me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, yes, I haven't been here for a while. We haven't spoken about board games and video games, sorts of uh, nonsense, so uh, it's probably going to be a long one. <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Exactly. Uh, so yes, if uh, you're listening to us for the first time, um, I do apologise for everything you are going to hear. Uh, this is Glitch Free Gaming. It's a podcast we do try and do every week about board games and video games and all sorts of gaming, gaming culture. And your hosts are myself, Mike, Kieran. That's me. Who's the other voice. And... Paul is one of the other hosts, and but he is not here at the moment because he is busy sunning himself in the land of hot dogs and hog roasts. And I was trying to be nice. I was going to get all political there, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yes, Paul is away on holiday at the moment, so he will be joining us uh, maybe next week. Hopefully. Hopefully. Cool. Uh, shall we just uh, dive into some video games that we've been playing? It's a good idea. We've got a lot of stuff. Yes, we have, yeah. Excellent. Uh, why don't you start us off in that case with the your impressions of Fortnite on the Switch? Alright. Um, yeah, so Fortnite came out for Switch with, like, it was launched during E3, like, during yeah. Nintendo's conference. They were like, hey, by the way, it's out now. Um, which is cool. Uh, it's Fortnite. It's the same as it is on every other system, basically. Um, it, I'm surprised how well it scales down to Switch. I mean, it makes right. sense because there's also a mobile version of it, but it looks a fair bit nicer than that mobile version does. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been playing a bunch of it on there. I, like, way more than I expected to, because I, I played a bunch, or a bit of Fortnite on PC and on PS4, but I never really stuck with it. Whereas right, I've okay. been playing quite a lot of it on the Switch. Just because being able to sit and play portably is a really nice way to play Fortnite. Right. And it's, you know, relatively short bursts for each match, mainly because I'm terrible at it, so I die really quickly. Um, but yeah, so for people who don't know somehow what Fortnite is, despite the fact that it's literally the biggest game of the world at the moment, a uh, hundred people jump off of a flying bus onto an island, you have to scavenge weapons and then be the last one to survive. There's a bit more to that, because yeah. there's more game modes and stuff like that. There's like a good 50v50 mode that's quite fun um, and really hectic, because it is basically like a team deathmatch game, but with 50 players on each team, and you're all scavenging for weapons at the same time, and then trying to get to the point where you can fight each other. So it's hectic as hell. And also, because it's got all the Fortnite stuff in it, people are building giant like superstructures for forts on top of hills and stuff like that because usually when you're playing Fortnite and it's like everyone for themselves or teams of four or whatever when it gets to the end of the game the way it works basically is there's a circle on the map and the circle gets smaller and smaller as the map go as the match goes on until right. eventually it's just a really small circle with everyone in it fighting each other to try and survive 
Like you're so close to each other that you can't physically go anywhere except for murder each other. And right. so people use the building mechanics of Fortnite to build little bunkers and stuff like that to defend themselves. In the 50v50, you have 50 people on your team. So, oh, okay. So rather than just building little f- structures, you're all working together and building giant, elaborate, like, tunnel structures I've seen. People, like, <laughs> right. I saw one of the matches I was in ended up with uh, the circle closing in on these two giant mountains. And we had kind of figured out early enough that it was going to be there. So we had built up this giant tower on top of this mountain with multiple layers so that if part of it got blown up, you could just fall down onto the layer beneath and you'd be fine. And they had done the same thing on the other the other mountain on the other side. And so we had like a bunch of guys just firing rockets and stuff like that off of the top <laughs> of it, like trying to draw their fire while other people built a bridge between the two mountains <laughs> and we're like <laughs> running across trying not to die it was really fun it's nonsense but it's really fun um i've mainly been playing like the 1v or the free-for-all mode where it's just you're one person everyone is you know there's 100 people on this island but all of them are on their own mm-hmm. um you know the the battle royale mode yes yeah yeah um, cool and it's awesome i really like it the switch version's great uh the one issue being if your Epic account has ever been connected to a Sony device, so PlayStation 4, then it will not work with this version of Fortnite. Because um, of Sony yeah, locking but, yeah, yeah, Sony the, cro- the thing. cross-play thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a pain in the butt, because I had like spent a little bit of money on the PS4 version, and none of that stuff carries over. Oh, um, wow, okay. Whereas the stuff I've bought because I also bought stuff on the Switch now. Uh, the stuff I bought on the Switch will carry over to the PC and the Xbox One and the mobile version of the game as long as that account never connects to PS4. <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. So I had to make a second account for it, which is a nine, but hey, the game's great. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot of people playing it, which is not surprising for a game that has done that well and is connected to that many platforms. Um, yeah. Literally, the one issue I have with it is, I think they should add, um, like gyro aiming, like Splatoon has. Oh, okay. Like I think that would be a really good improvement, but yeah, I can live without it. But All it's... right. Yeah, it's weird that the 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 gyro aiming is something that you get used to very quickly, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like I've been playing a lot of Splatoon two, and just I need I need that gyro aim, and I'm too used to it. I yeah, I found that I picked it up, and when I first got Splatoon, and I found it very strange. I can remember having a conversation with you about it. Yeah, you definitely. You, it's definitely something you have to get used to. Yeah, and that was what you said. Don't turn it off. You'll get used to it. You can't. But you gave you told me you know that you could turn it off and you could do it different ways and things like that. And uh, yeah, it's very quickly that that strange alien feeling goes away rather quickly and you find that it helps you quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. And then it does just feel weird um, because like the analog sticks on the Switch are fine, but they're not the best in the world. Uh, so I think they're kind of not great for that kind of fine aiming. So... I feel like that's where the gyro stuff really lends itself is just getting that tiny little 
last bit of an aim. Like you use the analog sticks to move most of the way, and then when you want to pinpoint in on something, just adjusting it with uh-huh. your uh, gyro is always kind of the best. And so, like, I've we're not really going to talk about it because we've talked about the game so much in the past. But like, I've played a little bit of Resident Evil Revelations two recently as well. And that's another one that's like, man, they just need to add gyro to this. Like, it's so close <laughs> to being great. Um, but yeah, uh, Fortnite Switch, it's really good. Um, it's a good version of that game. It looks really good. It doesn't have the 60 frames per second that the other versions have. It's only like okay. 30. But it looks fine. Like, it's it's a really smooth 30 frames per second, so. Yeah, I have it installed. I just haven't played it yet, uh, so I need to give it a bash. We should get a wee team together. We should get me, you. Yeah. Uh, Paul has it. I think Nathan may have it. I don't know. It's the biggest game in the world right now. We will not have our, t- our uh, yeah, job finding yeah. four people for a team. Exactly. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, but you've been playing uh, some Luminous Remastered on the Switch as well, yeah, I believe. I have. Yes. So uh, it got released, and I'd forgotten that it was coming out. That they were doing a remaster version of it. Yeah, I'd actually uh, kind of forgotten as well. Yeah, I went on to the store uh, as a as is my one of a Tuesday to see what's there, and it was insta buy. It was like shit. I forgot <laughs> that was coming out. Done. Uh, in terms of, it's a, it's a good remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lumens itself, we've spoken about it on the podcast years and years. Uh, it is good. Still one of my favorite puzzle games ever. I love the music and it, the the whole fusion of things. Really good. Uh, this is a faithful recre- re- recre- recreation of the original Lumens. It has a couple of things added into it as well. So you've got your, your challenge mode, which was always there. Basically, what you're trying to do is play through to achieve level 100 mm. in Lumens. And after you get through so many levels the skin will change that you're playing. So, you know, that's the aesthetic of the the background that you're playing in. And the music will change as well. Uh, That's basically the game. What's in this one? There's a skin edit mode. So once you unlock the skins, you can create your own kind of playlist and play through them in any order that you wish. There's the the time attack, which I think was always there. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. The The puzzle and mission modes... I think were new. Uh, they came originally in Lumens too, but I wouldn't hold me to them. Um, they all kind of <laughs> blend because I've bought every single Lumens yeah. game that's come out. They all kind of blend into one now. And they are also very similar. Like is that same? It's like how like it's like trying to figure out which Tetris game introduced certain modes because yeah, they're all Tetris at the end of the day. <laughs> so you know yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's the. Puzzle mode, the mission mode, the versus CPU uh, mode, which I think that was from Lumens 2 as well, and then there's the two-player battle. Mm-hmm. The One of the newer things that it does is they have taken the... What's the, the fancy name they've got for the vibration in the Switch controllers? At HD oh, the, Rumble? Yeah, or, the HD Rumble. Yeah, so the HD Rumble, and they're taking and they're using that in a novel way so that the... Normally through the the game, there's there's a beat that will change when you you get your four when the you know the timer comes across and you you create your little multiples of four. Mm-hmm. 
and they disappear off your board. And in the Vita version, you know, there's a little bit of, no, the Vita didn't have rumble. It's one of the versions that used a little bit of rumble. Mm-hmm. So the game still does that. But the other thing that it does is that the controllers will vibrate independently to the music. They actually shake to the beat. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so possibly your left controller will just do the bass, the thumping bass, and the other one does the kind of hi-hat. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got the, the music and it's it's thumping away in your hand. But the other cool thing that they've done is if you have other controllers, you can there's a setting in the game and it allows you to, any controllers that the Switch can pick up and detect, it will put the vibration through to all of these. Yeah. And the I. And the idea is that you put them in your pockets and just you know you put them all over you and you can feel put them all over. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, we're talking <laughs> about the the Res Trans vibrator all yep. over again. I mean, it's the same guy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Good old Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, so, yeah, he's kind of taken the idea from remember the because the res had the suit as well yeah that res hd or was it HD? the vr one the v uh, yes yeah had yeah the suit. yeah so now his idea is that if you've got loads of the the switch controllers you can put you know some in your pockets yeah, and make your own you know, yeah some of your shoes or whatever so it was actually what we did was i was playing away and and has seen me play lumen's you know, in various guises and things like that. And I said, but you've never understood, you know, the whole attraction with that. And I gave her the other two controllers and she was happily sitting there and watching because <laughs> she's getting the feedback on the controllers, which That's is quite cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going for 15 quid round about there. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I had credits and loyalty points. And so I'm not Gold too sure coins. what I paid. Gold coins, yes, and I had, uh, I think I'd put uh, credit on there, and I hadn't used all the credit as well, so I paid a little bit less. But insta buy, if you like lumens, yep, that's fine. There, I have heard that there is kind. Some people have said there's frame rate issues, things like that. I haven't come across that many. I don't think I've come across any, to be honest. So I, if I find any, no. I'll. Probably mention on the podcast anyway. The only negative is, and I think I've always said this about the, the Lumens games as well, is they're a time sink. Yeah, definitely. When once you get to a point where you can, you know, you've got a little bit of skill in playing them, a single a single game is going to take you at least half an hour if you're playing the challenge mode. Yeah. Uh, so I'd I'd bought it, put it on. I thought, right, I have one game. And my first game took me 36 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick one. Yeah, just a quick one. Uh, Lumens, the, it does get very difficult as in the later levels, it, the first one anyway. Uh, any of these games, uh, two, the one on the Xbox 360, I forget what that was called. It yeah, was kind of a mishmash. And two, uh, two, that one, and the one on Vita, uh, World Symphony, I think. I finished all of those in challenge mode, finished all the skins. The only one that I was never able to do was Lumens. And I think it's probably still going to stay that way. Yeah, it's still going to be the harder one. Yeah. But 
Still loving it. Excellent. Uh, and that's it. Kieran, you have been playing some Blaze Blue Cross Tag. I have. Phil names Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, I believe. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I picked this up on the Switch because I was looking for a good kind of fighting game on the Switch. Um, yeah. And also because it was cheap. It was. I think uh, base had it for like a ten or less than everyone else, so I was like, "Oh, that's cheap <laughs> enough. I'll pick it up, I guess." Um, it's quite cool. So it's a tag game, kind of like you know Marvel vs. Capcom or King of Fighters, something Ta- like that. Taking tag um, or taking tag, yeah. Uh, not as intricate as any of those. Like it's definitely very right. simplified. Okay. Um, at least on the face of it, like it's still got lots and lots of layers of mechanics. Because at the end of the day, it's still a Blaze Blue game. Uh huh. Um, but it's got a crossover of characters from four different franchises. Yes. So there's. Let me try and remember these. There's Blaze Blue, of course. Yeah. Persona Four Arena. Yes. Uh, RWBY. Yeah, I still don't know what that. It's a it's an animated series by Rooster Teeth, the guys that did like uh, Red vs Blue. And oh yes, stuff like that. yeah, yeah. Um, it's supposed to be really good. I've never watched it, but it's supposed to be really good. The characters are really good in this game. Uh, and then the other one is Undernight Inbarth. I think that's the name of the series is Undernight Inbarth, but this specific game is they're weird. It's a fighting game series um nathan has written reviews of at least one if not two of those games for a site before so right okay um those games are very good fighting games but it's got one of the worst names of a series in the history of manga. <laughs> uh but to be fair it's also made by the same people that made melty blood so they have a right a history of bad anime fighting game names but great games um so it's a tag game, and the the way the combat mostly works is it's been simplified down. So you basically have two main buttons for attacks, like you have a light and a heavy, right? And then you have a partner button. So you'll hit the button, and your partner comes in, does an attack, and then vanishes again. You'll have a switch button to actually switch positions with your, you know, actually tag in your partner. Um. And then you have uh, I can't remember what it's called. What I, call it. I say it's just called like Overdrive. Maybe thinking of like Guilty Gear or something. Um, oh wait, I can look at it. Oh, it's called Clash. So you have a Clash button, which basically does a little combo attack when it hits, but also doing stuff like doing inputs for a special with a Clash will do a EX version of it, basically like a version that uses some of your meter up. And that's like the core mechanics of it. Like there's a bunch, like I said, there's a bunch of other layers of stuff on top of it because it's a Blaze Blue game still. So there's still right. like there's meters upon meters, and different characters have different unique things. Um, but at the core of it, that is like the main thing. Uh, there still are things like you know the Persona Four characters all have personas, and if you attack their persona enough rather than them enough, then they won't be able to use it for a bit, and it kind of stops them being able to do certain attacks. Um, but you can mix match characters from each of them and there's a really good story mode that has like you know like the basically like all the Blaze Blue games have had 
so far. It's got like the kind of visual novel sections broken up with you know actual fights. Right. Yeah. Um, so not like what Gilly Gear did, where Gilly Gear was just like, "What if we took the fights out of this?" <laughs> yes. Like, it's like no, it's actually got the fights and stuff. Um. But it's broken up into sections. So like, there's a Blazeblue section, a Persona section, an Undernight Embirth section, and a RWBY section. Uh, but you still play as like characters from all four in each one. That's just kind of how the story's broken up. Right. Um. And so far, I'm really liking it. I think the story is like, and it's is super basic. It's you know, big bad brings people in, brings people from different dimensions into the same dimension to fight each other. Like it's pretty straightforward. But it's fun. Um, there doesn't seem to be any actual like arcade mode, which is strange. Right. Okay. It's like a strange omission for a fighting game still when it happens, but uh, the story mode kind of fits it. There's like a survival mode as well. Right. Okay. There's, what else is there? You know, there's the usual training mode, the tactics mode, which is what they call their like tutorial. <laughs> they call it tactics mode for some reason, which is strange. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess there's also like challenges in there as well, but yeah, it's strange. Uh, the tutorial is really good, which um, I think Arc System Works in general has just gotten very good at doing fighting game tutorials now. They're very good at teaching you not just how to do things, but why you would want to do them and when. Right. Kind of important for that stuff. Uh, and then the one issue, the one thing that is where all Arc System Works fighting games fall apart is the online. Ah, right. Okay, so they've still not sorted that out. No, like, they still do the best thing. Like, they've brought over the the thing they did in Guilty Gear and then in Dragon Ball Fighters, which is the kind of 3D lobby that you can walk around and you can choose what your avatar is so you can change your little 3D dude to be a little chibi version of whatever character you liked from whatever series. And now there's more of them because it's not just Dragon Ball and it's not just Blaze Blue, it's a mix of things. Yeah. And that's really good. So I can wander around looking like Chie if I want and that's pretty good. And that's great, but then if you want to actually get into a match, there is matchmaking that I've never actually seen work in any of the times I've tried. Um... I wanted to just play with a friend. Uh-huh. And so there's a create room match, which is presumably for that. So I created a room and set a keyword on it. So the only person that could join it would be the person that knew it. Yep. And then he went to search for that room because he couldn't get an invite from it because there was no invite functionality for some reason. Oh, okay. Uh, which is something that usually I would blame the Switch for something like this, but then Ark has a history of that. Like, Dragon right. Ball Fighters doesn't have that. Like, doesn't have the ability to invite people. None of the Guilty Gears have the ability to invite people, and those are all on PS4. Uh-huh. Um, but he also couldn't find it in his room match search, so he just couldn't see the room I'd made. So we ended oh, up wow. having to just join a lobby because it has these big 3D open lobbies. So we just found one that didn't have any people in it, which is not hard to do. Oh, wow. There's not a lot okay. of people online. Like I'm looking right now, there are 23 people in the casual lobby one and no oh, one in wow. any of ours. So we joined an empty lobby and then we just started fighting each other there, which was fine. We got into fights, it worked. Yeah, um, and like the core fighting is really good. Like I, I really love the way this game plays. It is very simple. 
compared to like a regular blaze blur or something like that. There's still a lot of depth mm-hmm. to it, but it's definitely a lot more. You can get away with mashing quite a lot more. Right. But it's a lot of fun, and you get to play with all those different characters. Um, and there's a bunch of DLC for it. There's a couple of character packs up just now, but then they're going to release more down the line with more characters from each of the series. Right. I don't know if they're going to add any more series to it, but uh, like they added Naoto from uh, Persona 4, which is really good because she's got a gun, and that's always good. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far. I kind of wish the online was a better structure, but I kind of knew going in it wouldn't be because it's an Arc System Works game, so... Right. Fine. Uh, an arcade mode would have been nice, but the story mode is real good. And it does that thing that they've all all of the kind of Blazeblue games have done where you can fast forward through all the text. So right. in lieu of an actual arcade mode, you can at least go back and redo those fights quite quickly just by jumping in and skipping through all the text. Or there's a survival mode, which also kind of fits that structure quite a lot. Cool. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's not the best thing in the world but in terms of like a fully fleshed fighter on the switch there's well i guess there's actually a decent amount of them now but this is definitely one of the better kind of newer ones that are out there mm-hmm. um yeah so i i quite like it blue blue cross tag battle excellent good, um, good. yeah uh, speaking of new releases you picked up the splatoon 2 octo expansion and I'm i very did to this I did. Uh, man, yeah, I, I loved, loved it. I love Splatoon 2. It is still one of my favourites. Uh, I'm just... Ex- <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just a little bit behind the magic. Normally when Kieran and myself and Paul as well, when he's here, when we record, we normally have the games to hand so we can have them running on the TVs and maybe it refreshes your mind. You can talk about them as you're, you know looking at menus yeah. or characters and things like that. So I'm actually looking at the the startup for Splatoon as it starts and they've at you know they've just added more stages and more weapons and it's just amazing. You know the the support that they've had in this game it's still one of my favorites. But the Octo expansion I picked it up and it is good but it is fucking brutal. <laughs> Definitely heard it, that. Yes, yeah. So the the idea is that you are playing a agent, a strange agent you don't know much about, and uh, he or she is an octoling rather mm-hmm. than a squidling, and you are somewhere below the ground. So the you're somewhere below where up. Oct- you know, all of Splatoon normally happens and yeah. you're not too sure why and you're trying to get out. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much where it starts. And then you play through levels. So it's pretty much the same as, you know, the single player in normal, in the well, the original single player mode in Splatoon 2 where it's built into different levels. These ones are more like puzzle levels, so it's got a bit more of a... I want to say portal, because that's what it reminds me of, is that I'm stuck in this area, and I go from, you know, 
test to test. Yeah, I definitely um, heard a lot of people compare it to Portal, both in terms of like the structure being these kind of test chambery things. Yeah, but also because apparently it's quite funny. Yes, yeah. So the the cool thing is when it first starts and your first map is basically you get put in this map and you need to get to the end and there's enemies and you basically need to shoot the enemies and what they're doing in the first one I think is they're kind of sniping they're just standing there they're not doing much then the the next one they have a little bit more of an aggressive AI then you think okay right this is just going to be you know battle drills I can live with this I think there's three of them like that then it switches it up and you have to then there's there's different tests so there's tests where they have this giant ball and you have to navigate this giant ball along courses it can fall off the edge it needs to travel along very narrow spaces and you control the ball of course excuse me of course by shooting it with the uh a gun Mm -hmm. uh some some of the stages will give you a choice of a weapon so sometimes it may be you know just the usual splatty gun or it might you might have a chance of choosing the julies or you might uh, have to see if you can do the the whole level using the paint slosher which is the bucket yeah and the it's difficulty as well so there's kind of an in-game currency the in-game currency you get for completing levels and it is used to pay your entry fee to go on levels um so for example to do one of the levels and if you just use the splat the splat julies pretty standard weapon quite easy to use no problems you get 600 credits if you use the the bucket the slosher you get 2000 units Mm -hmm. you know so there is that kind of step up it's not as extreme as that but you get the idea yeah yeah. the there's an incentive to use certain things yeah, after three or four attempts at a level, Marina and Pearl show up. Oh, they, they don't physically show up, but there's uh, you communicate with Marina and Pearl through... Uh, it's like a little walkie-talkie that you have. And they show up, and they give you the option to kind of skip the level. They will help you. They've got intelligence. They are hacking the system and they're helping you trying to get out. Yeah. And you can skip the level. When you skip the level, you move on to the next bit. The only thing you don't get is some of the credits and you also don't get these little things called mementos. I'm just... Yes, mem cakes. Mem-cakes. And it basically... It's actually quite cool. It gives you... You find these little things and they look like little meeples. Uh, and the first thing that you find is inkling. Uh, you know, the, the when you swim in the ink, yeah. that kind of shape. Yep, it's one of those. And then you've... Yeah, you've got different little meeples kicking about as well. When you click on the meeples, it gives you a little haiku. <laughs> so, and honestly, it's so... Uh, of the thing squid and his little haiku says at last we meet my so-called foe but is it but is it is our fate to spray this hate perhaps we'll learn in depths below so it's like little haikus rhyming things that's cool and then i'm not going to read the rest to you but it basically all makes us it makes a, a larger poem a larger story yeah this little memory and cool. yeah the, what they've done is they've the, the whole idea on a train and the train stops at various stations 
you need to go to each of these stations for it to complete its journey. And there are, I think I found, I will tell you now, I found two different kind of, um, sorry, three different routes. Uh, I think A, B, and D, I think I found. Uh, and all of the, so if you complete all of A, it gives you that little story. Doing it for all the other routes will do the same. So it just kind of fleshes it out. That's pretty much it. I don't think there's much more I can tell you. Sounds cool. I I, I want it. Yes, it is, it's definitely worth it. There's other little hidden things in there as adds. There's little things you can read and little things you can do. It adds to the whole uh, idea and story. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. If you are a fan of Splatoon and you, you're looking for a lot more of a challenge, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely pick this up um so uh cool excellent moving swiftly on uh, i'm kieran you have been playing pocket rumble which oh, is something oh, that's sure just come out yeah it just came out today as the day of recording um pocket rumble is awesome it is a fighting game in the style of the neo geo pocket so something like uh I think it would be King of Fighters that came out for the Neo Geo Pocket. Um, it looks a lot like that. It's got that kind of... Like, if you ever played a Neo Geo Pocket game or ever saw a Neo Geo Pocket game, the SNK ones in particular, they had a very distinctive art style. Right. Um, they made use of their limited colours really well. And this game nails that art style so well. Like, it's so... Like, the sprites all look great. The animations on them are fantastic. And then at, on its like at its core as well, it's also just a really fun fighting game. Uh, uh-huh. Again, kind of like plays with cross tag. It's really simplified compared to a lot of other fighting games. So this one actually is a two button game. You have a light and a heavy, and that's it. Uh, right. Well, as well as you know, obviously movement and stuff. And you do specials by uh, not doing like kind of dragon punch motions and stuff like that or hadouken motions like you would usually expect from this kind of game you uh-huh. do it from just holding a diagonal and oh, okay. then holding you know either light or heavy punch and you'll do a special uh, and then you do supers by holding a diagonal and then doing both of them at the same time but right. you can also map to a button if you want if you want to cheat <laughs> um <laughs> But it's really good. Um, it, I would say it's maybe not super balanced, uh, but it's a lot of fun in that way that a lot of kind of unbalanced fighters could be. Like, you know, one of my favorite fighting games, or at least one that I had a lot of fun with in recent years, was um, oh god, that Nitro Plus Blasters, the one with all the, oh, the god, anime yes. ladies and fish. And that game also not very well balanced, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yes. And this reminds me of that in that way. Like, it doesn't play anything like that, but it's just that kind of, like, you'll definitely play a character that's like, wow, I physically could not stop this werewolf man from headbutting me over and over and over until I died, but hey, I, it happened. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's really good. Uh, the netcode seems really good as well. Like, I played a bunch of it online before we started recording, um, again, with friend of show, Nathan, um, and he destroyed me at the end of it. Um, right, but like the we had like no lag. It was just it worked perfectly. We did encounter one weird kind of thing where uh, one of us disconnected at some point, 
right yeah or by accident like we you know just lost connection uh, but it didn't tell either of us that we disconnected from each other it oh just okay replaced, it just replaces with ai oh that's and then and then we I ended eat. after we ended the match um because we both beat the ai because it wasn't a very smart ai we one both went on to like the chat room we were in and we're like hey i can't believe that you fell for that and got destroyed and we're like wait what <laughs> how are we both saying this to each other that doesn't make sense um yeah but it's, it's a smart way of handling that i guess and also like it disconnects once you finish a fight it pops up saying like do you want to do a rematch do you want to exit and if you disconnected during it then it'll go straight to exit like it won't even give you a choice it'd be like no that person exited which is a right. kind of tell for you to be like oh that wasn't an actual human i just fought um but you can also kind of just tell because they will the ai seems to just stand there for a few seconds when it switches right which is odd um although we had an especially weird one where at some point i apparently like we lost connection and we showed up as entirely different characters from the ones we selected so like, oh, okay it's like nathan sent me a message in the chat being like oh when you're playing as the werewolf man if you dash towards the edge of the screen you'll grab onto the you'll do like a, a leap up and kind of ledge I forget what we call it. You do like a wall grab onto the side, basically. Um, and I was like, okay, but I'm not playing as a werewolf man. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, I'm playing as the ghost lady. And he's like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's strange. Um, but Netcode, like, in general, is really good. I played a couple of ranked matches as well. I did have one disconnect, um, but the... Of the like four matches I played, I say one of them disconnected, one of them was a little bit laggy, but then the other two were just completely perfect. So, uh, I think that's generally pretty good. Like I've, you know, it tells you like what your ping is before you join. So I could have probably avoided those that laggy one at least. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The one thing I'll say also is that when you're playing a single player, like the AI is fucking brutal. <laughs> um. There are th multiple uh, single-player modes. There's an arcade mode. There's a career mode. And then there's just the regular kind of like versus thing. And then also there's a tutorial, which the tutorial is kind of terrible. Uh, it teaches you literally just the basic inputs, but nothing else. Um, but the arcade mode, the AI seems to just be brutal at all times. <laughs> Insanely difficult. Um but the career mode, which is strange, I don't really understand that mode. Um, right. It starts you off with like a thousand points, and then you go on. So you start career mode, you start with a thousand points, and then as you win matches, your points go up, and the AI gets more difficult. And if you lose, your points go down, and the AI gets easier. But it starts at a level that the AI is so, like, brokenly easy. It's just really weird compared to like the arcade mode. Right. Um, so I feel like the AI is almost like a work in progress for this game still. Wow. Um, I will say that the multiplayer seems to be like their focus, and they seem to have nailed it. Like, it has the you can invite people, which you know was not shouldn't be a big deal, but for a Switch game, kind of is. Um, you can invite people really easily, and they get an invite, and it joins you instantly. Um, 
you can do ranked match. There's only ranked match and like friend matches now. There doesn't even be any like casual matchmaking, but like I found it super easy to join ranked matches and super quick to join them. And again, the friends matches were super easy and quick as well. It just instantly kind of joined us together. So yeah, I think they've definitely kind of been focusing on that, and I think they've definitely nailed that to some degree. Right. Cool. Um, but yeah, Pocket Rumble, I really recommend it. It's only like seven quid. It's yeah, yeah. Right now is one of the one of my favorite Switch games right now. Um, but also uh, something else I mentioned actually. Um, I don't know why I started with bot. It's not. A, it's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> all the characters also like play quite differently from each other, which I quite like. Right. Um, okay. They all feel very unique. Um, they all have their roots in like other fighting game characters, but you know they all play very differently. So there's a ghost lady that kind of plays like a skullgirls slash kind of Darkstalkers character. Um, right. She plays kind of like Morrigan from Darkstalkers in a lot of ways. Or um, there's a, a guy called Parker who has he wears like a business suit and he's in black and white for some reason, and he can like drop these kind of electric balls around the stage and then chain them together to do a kind of lightning blast and it's just really cool cool um but yeah pocket rumble i really recommend it also it just looks gorgeous like yeah it is time to pick up it's one of those games that when you look at screenshots of it you kind of know right away whether you're gonna like it or not (laughs) it's just like a hey this is great cool excellent yeah, uh, and then the last video game we have here is one that we've both been playing. Yes, which is Mario Tennis Aces for the Nintendo Switch. Woo! Also a fighting game, kind of. I kind of yes. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, Nintendo and Camelot's uh, Switch version or iteration of the Mario Tennis game. Yeah. And. It's pretty damn good. It's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I think you're further in the story mode than I am, but I think I've played more of the multiplayer than you have. Yes, yeah. Because that's the main reason I got it, was just to play online, and I've played a lot of it online. <laughs> I've not been very successful, because the people playing it online are very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I played one or two games and just had my arse handed to me whenever I do the tournaments. Yeah. Uh, the online tournaments uh, you get hammered if you play so there's various online modes there's the tournament mode and you can play online or offline if you play offline you can either play i think you can only do versus cpu in an offline tournament um you may be right yeah and then online tournament is it's just a big massive tournament and i don't know really how it works because i've never got past the first stage <laughs> so like the way it works is like it, um it's a kind of simplified way of like doing a ranked matchmaking thing where they don't have to actually take your rank into account basically right. they have uh, i think it's a six i want to say it's a six stage tournament so you play against six different people and every time you face against someone you'll face against someone who is facing against someone of that tier of their tournament yeah. Um, so, like, if it's your first match, you'll be playing against someone who hasn't played any other matches. Um, then, once you've won the first one, you'll play against someone who's won a match. And the second one, you'll play against someone who's won two matches, etc. Et until you get to the finals and you do a big fancy finals match and you win 
nothing really. You get points. I don't know. I've never actually won one. But um, the main reason you'd actually want to take part in tournaments, other than the fact they're just fun, is um, every month. Bonus. Well, every month you get a character for taking mm-hmm. part in the tournaments. Um, this month you get a Cooper Trooper. Yes. Which is neat. He's quite fun to play as. He's a fast character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've just been I've been playing a bunch of it because I really like it. But I'm terrible at it compared to so many people online. <laughs> like I can't I can't win anything anymore, which is annoying because like during the beta, or the the whatever they called it the the tournament they did before release, like I was yes. doing not super well, but I was doing well. I could hold my own. Uh, right. But now it's like oh no, people got good. <laughs> yeah, I've. I found in the on the online tournaments, I've never got past the first match. I, to be fair, I think I've only played three. Uh, but in the the kind of the social, the, so it's not the tournament; it's yeah, called like the kind of it's free play. play. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I've done all right with it. I, I think I played six matches and I'd won four in a row and then lost two. Fun. So that was all right. I, yeah, I could live with that. Yeah. Uh, the free play mode it doesn't do the matches it does like a tiebreaker match that you're playing yeah so, which is weird seven yeah so we're doing uh, that rather than just do the full sets yeah and then every other tennis game in mario tennis aces is a, a it's normally either one set or best of three sets yeah i think it's usually or, best of three um, yeah Except for like then, a couple of things in the adventure mode where it has like a full length tennis game set of sets, which is no, I've weird. No, no, I've not seen a tennis game that has six six games in it. I thought um, I'm pretty sure the one you do on the 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 ship, um, I think it's against Cooper Trooper. I don't think about it. Uh, uh, that's like the one. Well, that was like the longest one. Yeah, because it it's uh, best of five, so you need oh. to win by three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still two games wins a set rather than you know six games wins a set. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure anyway. Because no, I can, right. Yeah, there was a thing about that. The you know people were saying yeah. uh, in the previous Mario Tennis games there was a way to go into these settings and change that. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you were playing offline or couch multiplayer or whatever it was, you could change it to six games per set. Yeah. I'm kind but of fine, to be honest. I kind of I like the kind of snappy, quick pace of it. Yeah, um, I found as you get to the later levels, especially in, I think I'm on the final stage of the story mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even want to tell you where it is, but you should. When there's a big clue of, of where it is and how the, everything's going to work. Space. Space. No, not space. The, the, yeah, the you're past. playing on the right. The rainbow tennis court. Tennis space. Uh, but yeah, th- when you get to that final bit, the you're playing. You play a doubles match, and then you have to play a singles match. And they're looking for, bit, you know, best of three to win uh, mm-hmm. to win the game, and it's the two matches. But the it, the AI is quite difficult at that point. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> It's, you know, playing two, you know, uh, best of two games to win the set or best of three games to win the set makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, because it still keeps... The game gets a little bit longer, but it's still not really, 
you know, really, really long. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I quite like it. The adventure mode is quite tough, though. I don't know if you've found this. Yeah, I've definitely found that it's got these difficulty spikes here and there, which I, I'm, I'm fine with. I like it. It's never, yeah. it's never got so brutally difficult, you know, that I've given up or anything. Um, no, there was one of them. Uh, so it's the second, the second or the third boss. I think it is where you go to the, the house in the hill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boss. Yeah, because the first one's a prana plant. Yeah. The yeah the second that second boss I found brutally difficult and then I figured it something just kind of clicked you know it was the old I call it the Tetris effect because the, the first time I ever experienced it was Tetris where you play 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 and then all of a sudden something clicks and it makes sense can't you call can... it Tetris effect though because that's a video game now <laughs> oh is it yep by Mizuguchi Careers of Luminous uh... and have you not seen this. <laughs> No, I haven't. He's I, making I, a VR I, Tetris game that's basically the same kind of like crazy, res, luminous, musical nonsense he makes, except it's Tetris. It oh, looks wow, fucking okay. fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. It might be what finally break, makes you break and buy a PlayStation VR. Yeah, quite possibly. So, but yeah, it's that that whole thing of you know where you play and then just all of a sudden everything kind of starts to make sense and you're, yeah, you know where you need to be in terms of skill level in the game really enjoyable quite short i think uh yeah that's definitely I, what i've heard again i've not finished it yet but yeah I, i've definitely heard from people hey the adventure mode doesn't go for long which is weird because yeah. it has all like these rpg elements where it's like you're leveling up mario yes and you're yeah unlocking different rackets stuff like that it feels like yes. it should be long yeah um yeah it is a bit it would have been nicer for it to be longer. The other thing is the... So when you're doing the offline mode and you're playing the tournaments, mm-hmm. there is only three different tournaments that you can play and the small brackets as well. All right. So the offline tournament, I think it's three You know, three brackets. You, you've got the bracket, then you move into the semifinals, then it's the finals. So okay. there's three matches yeah. in the, each of the tournaments. And, yeah, I would have liked those to be a bit longer. It, those, that yeah, especially because like the online ones are longer. Yeah, if, it feels like it's been cut down from the Mario Tennis game, the, the good one, not the Superstar Sports one. <laughs> the good one that was on the 3DS. Yeah. Because there was quite a load of tournaments and, you know, that was good. Uh yeah, but I don't know why they've done it. Possibly, weird. It, yeah. Um, I do like. I will say, I do like all the courts. Like, there's a good kind of mix of courts that all have different kind of gimmicks to them that are all really good. Yes. Yeah. Um, I really like the the pirate ship one where it has just the mast in the middle of the field. Oh so yes. You have to like hit yeah. the ball round it. Yeah. Which is real good. Um, the mirror one from the hot house, which kind of blasts your ball in random directions. Yes, it's yeah. pretty good. That um, so the snow one has just crowds of people going through, it, or is that desert? I forget. Uh, There's one of them that just the, has crowds of people going through yes. it every now and again. Yeah, uh, there is. Oh, it's the train station. That's what it is. Uh, have you have you been on the one where they send the little mechanical Koopa Troopers after I've not, you? I've not done that one yet. That yeah, that one's good, great. Yeah, that's quite cool. 
Um, yeah, good little mix. Uh, keeps it fresh. It's a fun little game. If you're wanting a tennis game, you know, hardcore tennis game, don't buy this. Go and there isn't a tennis game on this. Yeah, so there's no really an option for you. They don't really make tennis games anymore. Yeah, yeah. The, we haven't had a is... top spin game in a long time. There was actually a tennis game that came out literally like the week before Mario Tennis, which was made by some of the top spin people. Um, and they were kind of billing it as like a return of that. But, oh, right. Uh, they also released it in a really broken state, so I have no idea if they ever fixed it. Ah, uh, um, right. Which is a shame. Because, yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be something to be good to have. Yeah. But I think most of the people buying Mario Tennis by at this point they should know what they're getting into yeah uh and not buying it's... mario tennis thinking man this is going to be the gran turismo of tennis games yeah yeah it's it always has been a bit more cartoony uh, yeah a bit like the sonic smash tennis yeah although even that yeah. was probably actually a bit more of a that was actually yeah that cuz that probably, that was yeah. the top spin developers again that was <laughs> Yeah, or no, not say, top spin. Sorry, uh, virtual tennis. Virtual tennis. Yeah, I was going to say because that was uh, that was a better tennis game, I think. That was I, a in good terms of game. like, yeah, in terms of like pure sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's good. It's I think this is good. a better overall package. Like it does all the cool yes. gimmicky stages. Yeah. It does the online is just really fucking good. Um, the core mechanics are really good. So like you have. Each of your face buttons does a different type of serve, or not serve, uh, like a return. So yep. two of them do fast kind of power shots. One of them does a, um, a trick shot, basically, that will, if it's fully charged, will cause your your opponent to spin when they hit it back. Um, uh-huh. And then the other one can do lobs and uh, fuck the opposite of a lob. <laughs> uh, whatever you call it yeah so you've got your um your your kind of uh top spin you've got your your lobs you've got your back spin which does your trick shots yeah and then you've uh just kind of your flat power shot yeah, yeah. um and that all kind of plays into like how you're playing online because also the the weird thing about it so there's like multiple ways you can play the game but the main one like the standard mode is it gives you the ability to do this kind of quick dodge with the right stick or by double tapping one of the buttons. Yeah, the, yes, the trick shots. Yeah. And that um, one returns it and two will move you quite far across the field. So it lets you kind of catch things that you usually wouldn't have been able to. Yes. And it means that it doesn't mean there's less like risk really for your positioning like you still have to you know be well positioned for stuff but you also can recover quite easily a lot of time from that uh-huh. um which is really cool uh but then also it uses meter if you don't time it correctly whereas if you get the timing right on it it actually gives you meter back which is really good yes yeah um but it's really fucking hard to get the timing right on it um mainly because there's not really any tells for it it's just like i i think i got it Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's zone shots, which are um, you can launch into the air and then do like an aimed shot. Yes, yeah. And there's uh, everyone has like a super as well, which all the yeah, uh, all the Mar- well not all, but yeah. most of the Mario Tennis games have had. Yeah. So the uh, the zone shot, what you can do as well, so uh, when 
how how you activate it is there's a little star you stand in the star and space and press the activation button mm -hmm. and that, that uses your energy but if you don't want to use that what you can do is you can just basically hold down y which will give you a powerful shot mm -hmm. uh which you can use as well yeah uh, i i tend to use that more uh when i'm playing kind of the uh, the offline tournaments and things like that i'll use and I'll save up my energy so that I can pull out the the big uh, your super shot. Yeah, because I often end up saving my energy when playing online because uh, the other thing you can use energy for is you can just hold down the button you'd normally use for zone shots to slow down slow down time. And yep. when opponents use their super or a zone shot, uh, if you time the deflection of it incorrectly you'll uh, lose some health on your racket and so you can actually yes. lose matches by breaking your racket twice yes and if you use slow motion then you can better time the returning of supers or uh, zone shots so you yeah. don't break your racket and also you you know do that uh, you might return it but that that's still like super hard to do even with the slowdown yeah, yeah. Uh, it was much easier to do during the uh, beta, or the I keep calling it a beta, but it was never formally a beta, like the pre-release stuff. Yes, because yeah. no one like most of the people playing it didn't know how to do it because there was no real tutorial in that really. Right. Okay. Um, there was like a real light one, so I actually had someone like rage quit on me while I was playing online because he used the super, and I slowed down time and returned it. Oh God! And then he disconnected. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> cool. That's how this is going to go, I guess. Whereas now, you know, there's good people playing, so... Yes, yeah. Uh, None of that. None of that. Yeah, but it's uh, really just a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really liking it. I need to and finish that story mode, because it sounds like it's not that long. Yeah, so you're not too far away uh, from where I am. You know, I think I'm at the end, so... Yeah. I kind of like the actual story for it as well. It's quite humorously written. It's like the core yes, concept it, of it is like an evil haunted tennis racket possesses yeah. Waluigi and Wario because they're greedy and they were trying to tomb raid basically. Yeah, and it's bit, but it's basically it's the the Mario version of the Infinity Gauntlet. Is yeah, but it's, it's a tennis <laughs> racket, yeah. Like you've got to collect these gems to seal it again. Yes, yeah. Uh, really silly, but good fun. The only thing I think that I'd probably say against it is... It's just too I good. Wish... No, I wish there was more characters. I wish yeah, they would I open agree. up. Yeah, especially because some uh, of them are in the game. Like, There's characters you can't play as that are definitely in the game yeah. if you play as them in the story, or play against them in the story. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like the Koopa Trooper was there before it got released this month. Uh -huh. Um, I don't think Shy Guy is playable. But uh, you, no, I don't. But you play yeah. against Shy Guy in Adventure Mode a couple of times. Yes, yeah. Um, um, which is a shame. I yeah the uh, what's the what's the ink the the squid called? Oh, uh, Blooper. Blooper. Yeah. I I don't think he's a playable character either. No. Yeah. Um, so I assume that because they've got two more characters lined up in the. So if you actually go yes. to like the character selection screen, it yes. has three question marks. Two now if you've unlocked Cooper Trooper. 
Yeah. Um, I presume that's Blooper and Shago. All oh, right. Yeah. I assume the next two months will be Blooper and Shago, just because yeah. they're in the adventure mode anyway. Yeah, um, and hopefully it would be really cool if they do add more through the tournaments. Yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do the Splatoon 2 thing and they just keep updating it over time. Yeah, keep adding that would stuff. be. Yeah. Um, it, it's a bit like it's a bit off topic but the the new Sega racing game that's coming out the Sonic racing game yeah it's going to be a Sonic racing game rather than a Sega All-Stars game yeah and I kind of hope they patch in yeah and I or... thought no that that's just a mistake the thing that one of the the coolest things about that game was that yeah you had all the Sonic stuff but you had all the other characters from the, the Sega games coming in as well yeah and especially the PC version that had a bunch of other stuff in it as well. Uh, the PC yeah. version had like a Team Fortress 2 character. It had a football manager character. Yeah, um, I, well, yeah, because they, they showed up in the second one, Racing Formed. Yeah. And you could actually, you could import them through to, they, they eventually released them in the console version. Oh, did they? Well. I don't know. Yes, yeah, yeah. they were originally yeah. in PC. Um, I don't think they released the football manager one, but they... They, uh, all the other ones were. Yeah, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. Yes, Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah, because I had that one. Uh, yeah, it's. Just think it's a mistake, but it, it's their train set, so. But <laughs> we can only hope. Can. Cool, have you got anything else to add on to that? Uh, no, Mario Tennis is really good. Um, yes. I guess the only thing I'd add is it also looks really nice. Yes, it does. The adventure mode is really nice. There's um, little cutscenes and things. There's when you move on the map. Mm-hmm. That is really well done. That whole map, the areas, it looks really good. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, they've put some, some work into it. For sure. Uh, excellent. Uh, I did, it's not in the, the list of things that I did, but I bought because i don't think we've spoken about it i bought the nez mini uh, oh yeah so, about that. yeah uh so i had the this nez one yeah. and i bought the nez one the reason that i wanted it was that you at the time when i did bought that when i had the snares you there was no way of modifying the SNES one so you could put um, NES games on it. Yeah. Uh, and so I was happy to, I'm happy to have two of them, no problems at all, and didn't even think of checking the the update notes for the, the, the process and the program that actually allows you to do this. Oh. Didn't even bother. Yeah, NES stuff now. Yeah. You oh, can... Wow. You, you can add other things onto it. You can run different emulators at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to have two of them. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't ludicrously expensive. It was fifty quid. Just wait uh, till the one comes out. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's fifty quid, and it now means that I on the next one itself because of the onboard memory on that. It actually can hold almost the entire library of NES games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if you wish, you could load it up um, and then you can still have your, your separate SNES one. And all all you're doing is you're switching two cables between the two of them. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Uh, the games are good. Uh, they all run fine. Uh, whatever we said about the SNES, just take it and apply it to the NES. You know, it still looks good. Uh, they've the games emulate well. Blah 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 blah. That's it. Uh, shall we talk about some board games? Yes, let's do that because we have a lot to talk about. We do, we do. I skipped a lot of the <laughs> ones I had last time just because you were in there. Right. I figure it'd be better. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what shall we talk about? Uh, let's start with Maskmen. Maskmen, yes. So, Maskmen is one oink games that I brought back from Essen uh, our last trip to Essen yeah so that was where I instantly gained uh, oink games collection uh, they had seven games available and I bought all seven of them yep. <laughs> one of them being Maskman so I think I don't think we spoke about it on the podcast before but Kieran you know my, my struggles with Maskman and you have Maskman as well so Maskman is this absolutely gorgeous looking game that comes with a deck of cards with a six a six different types of masks. So the masks in question are luchador masks, wrestlers yeah. masks. And so you've got a deck of 70 cards, I think it is. I want to say 70. Uh, I think that's right. I don't yeah. In front of me. Um, it's either 60 or 70. And they're split into six different suits, these different um, color masks. The game also comes with these little punched out um, uh, cardboard masks. Mm -hmm. Really chunky, really nice looking. They're great. Yeah. And uh, both of us, I don't know about you, but I definitely struggled with the rules trying to figure out the game. Um, yeah, I only ever skimmed it. <laughs> still, I still never actually even tried. Yeah, it. and so I, I struggled with it, and myself broke it out in in Essen to play it because it was one of the few oint games that plays two players. I hmm. uh, started to play it and couldn't make sense of it. It just didn't make sense, and then tried to read through the rules again, didn't make sense, put it back, and I've attempted it a couple of times. Uh, not about last week, I picked it up again. I was fiddling about with all games and I thought I'll read through the rules again and I've played a couple of more different games a couple of trick taking games and things since the last time that I played and talked about you know that effect where you're reading something starts to make sense again mm -hmm. because of what you've done in the past and I figured it out so the problem that we had was there's a ranking system in the game. So quickly explain what the game is. You've got your deck of cards. Everyone gets a certain number of cards. If you're playing up to four players, you will get 15 cards each. And uh, the object of the round is to get rid of all 15 cards in your hand. Mm -hmm. The way uh, on your turn, you will do one of two things. You're either going to play a card from your hand, uh, which is a, a wrestler that is known to us. Okay. I'll explain what that means in a second. If you are the first person to play or you're starting off in a section, you will play a wrestler down um, and you pick a card and you play it down. That's the wrestler. And what you do is the little mask, you use them to rank their strength. So the first card that ever gets played, that's the, the weakest wrestler. He's, you know, the bottom of the run. 
the next one that you play so when it's somebody else's turn you can either play a card of a wrestler that's known that's stronger than the one that's played or you introduce a new wrestler how you introduce a new wrestler is if you've played one card then i play two cards of a wrestler we haven't seen before and then we rank him above does that make sense yeah yep okay so now you know that you've got the the let's say the green wrestler is the weakest and then the blue wrestler comes in and the blue wrestler we now know is stronger than green mm-hmm. on paul's turn paul plays a orange wrestler because and he introduces him and so he plays three cards we now know that orange is strongest because he's stronger than blue and he's stronger than green yeah okay uh the most cards you can ever play in a turn is three cards you can never play four cards three cards is the max Mm -hmm. so at that point everything would refresh it's like a trick uh so if you've played custom heroes here which you have you keep playing until you nobody can play anymore then you take all the cards away and you start over again you do the same here except you don't change that ranking system so you know you've got you've got three wrestlers so on your turn to start off the next round you could play green which is the second highest uh then when it comes to the next person's turn they can play orange and but and how they would do that is they play so if it's a wrestler that you know it's the same number of cards as previously played so you would play uh one card because we know that card any stronger mm-hmm. uh then you can introduce wrestlers again and and do that whole thing but the interesting thing in it comes in when the ranking system it is possible to rank them all stronger than each other you know so you've got a line of six wrestlers yeah uh but let's say you play going back to uh, blue being the lowest and green being the second strongest on your turn you you start off you play a blue one i don't have a green one but i have uh a purple one which we haven't brought into the mix so i play two cards and i bring him in i introduce him he is now stronger than blue but he's the same strength of green but because you know where we introduced him in yeah Yeah, the the number of cards that we played in to get him in yeah so you could possibly end up with you know you don't have um six wrestlers each stronger than each other you could have six wrestlers and three of them are stronger than the rest mm-hmm. depending on the ranking system but how they you could all be the, the same strength as each other yes yeah that's it and that becomes that becomes crucial it becomes clever when you're trying to get rid of all the cards in your hand because if you have nothing but blue and gray cards you could basically create a situation where blue and gray are the strongest wrestlers in the section and they're as strong as each other, mm-hmm. which then means no matter what you do, you're basically playing a trump card yeah. on your turn. You can play either one of them, and you trump, and you win, and then you start again. So whoever, whoever uh, makes it so everyone else has to pass, they get to play, they get to start off the next round, and you're controlling the card. So if you're playing cards from your hand constantly, you're going to empty your hand quicker. Yeah, That's it. It's it is a simple simple game but that ranking system is very very clever very neat yeah it sounds quite smart i think i yeah. need to dig out and go because it's one of the yes. games i think i should play it as well yeah i think 
I'd probably take a little bit of credit for putting you off it a little bit. Because <laughs> I, I think I tried to, I did explain it to you that I'm struggling to get my head around it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help because there's not a lot of board game resources for it on Board yeah. Game Geek. Or, uh, there was one video that I found and it was, uh, I forget the, the dude's name. He does quite a lot of stuff, but he he muddled his way through he, I think he decided he was going to do a video for this and he muddles his way through it and it makes no sense whatsoever and you can see his little face when he's doing it. <laughs> it, it his review doesn't make much sense as well. I think, I think what you're saying is that we need to make a video of it. I think we do, yes. And I was getting to that point. Yeah. I, yes. That can be done. I, yeah. So, yeah, that is... Uh, I know 10 Oink games. I, oh, I basically, you're way ahead of me. Yeah, I I have everything that you can basically get in this country without going to Japan. I'm missing a few. Uh, I don't have pyramids. I don't have that latest one. I forget the name. Troika. Troika. Yeah. I don't have. Uh, There's a few I don't have. Uh, <laughs> I don't have in a grove. I don't have. Yeah. So uh, the, the, uh, the I I did buy the German version of modern art as well. Yeah, I was going to say, your copy of Modern Art hasn't showed up yet, right? No, it hasn't showed up All yet. Alright, it... still, I've still got that one over you for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I've got that one, and then I've got the the two Dungeon of Mandem games, but I've got the the European versions yeah, of them, the, which was Welcome the to the Dungeon. dungeon yeah. yeah, the yellow games. But, yeah, I, I have now played seven of them there's three that i haven't played yet i haven't played startups trika or the the pyramids one i've yeah. played the pyramids one solo to learn the rule but I'm that doesn't really them, yeah not actually played it with anyone yet so it doesn't really count uh they're all really smart and yeah. uh so friend uh steven if you listen to our uk game stuff uh uk games expo stuff as well he went and he bought five or six of the games <laughs> yeah, it, I did. It, I was listening to that episode. Of, yeah, I listened to all those UK Games Expo podcasts. But yes, hearing yeah. the the Oink Games addiction spread to a new person. Yes, yeah. Um, and it has been an absolute joy actually teaching him those games and the other ones that he doesn't have. So the ones that he didn't bought. Uh, didn't bought, didn't buy. Uh, I've I've been taking them to games days and saying you don't have this one, but let's play this one. That's great. And it's just you know people going, oh man, that is smart. That is really and people just enjoying them and appreciating the games. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic games. Just excellent. Yeah. Um. We should. We'll talk after this podcast, but we should sit and do like a video series of those and just yes do reviews yeah. of each one relatively short videos just here's how you play them here's what we think of them yes yeah because i think so it's at that point where we have access to almost all of them so mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah some of them like you said like mask men doesn't have a lot of video resources um the german version of modern art doesn't either but to be fair that's partly because it's just modern art um, yeah yeah I already started working on a video review of um, Fake Artist at one point. Yes! I made a kind of photo gallery equivalent of um, like the for our non-British 
listeners, this will not make any sense to you. Uh, but there, there was an art show that used to be on a long time ago. It's probably still on. I don't know, but it, uh, called Smart. And part of the thing they did was, you know, it was for kids, and kids would send in their artwork of varying yes. quality, and then they'd have a little <laughs> gallery that went through with it with this music playing over it. And so yes. I made a little gallery thing with I found that music, I ripped that music. <laughs> And I put together this little scrolling thing of our terrible, terrible fake artist drawings. Yes. And then yeah, I never did anything else for the review. No. <laughs> but I did that. <laughs> That's the important yeah. bit. Yeah, we should do something with it. Yeah, but... definitely. Cool. Excellent. So you, you've, you've got quite a few board games that you've played and are in the process of playing for review that we got the UK Games Expo, yeah? Yes, well, uh, two of them are for review, but yeah, I played a bunch. I met up with um, Ben, editor from the site. Yes. And we played a bunch of... Well, he... I'm just going to tell the story on here because I found it quite funny. Um, the initial idea was I volunteered to review a couple of the UK Games Expo games because you guys picked up a bunch of things for review from UK Games Expo. We did, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'll help review some of those i've not really reviewed any board games on the site before so might as well and i'll try to do some video stuff with them as well and ben was like all right cool we can meet up we're meant to be doing the brew dog board game thing yes um anyway so come on monday night and we'll go to that and then the day before that ben messaged me he's like so when is it you're going to come through into glasgow when are you going to be about and I was like, I was just going to come through around 6-ish for that board game thing at Brewdog. And he's like, so you won't be around around lunchtime then? And I was like, I could be around around lunchtime. I'm off work. <laughs> I, I'm not doing anything. Like I can come through to Glasgow earlier if you want. I'll get an off-peak ticket. It's probably actually better for me. He's like, oh, that's good. I guess I could take the afternoon off work then. It's like, Ben... <laughs> Then you can take away the afternoon off work whenever you want. You don't need to use me as an excuse, man. <laughs> um, it was quite good. Um, yeah, we sat in Brewdog for an all afternoon and sat and played a bunch of the UK Games Expo games and things that Ben was working on for review, I believe. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was it was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, was there a specific one you wanted to? Um. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the list that you've got. So you play. You've got a game called Thronestorm. Yes, Thronestorm. That's the main one I'm reviewing. Uh, just now. Uh, right. Okay. Like I'm part way through the review for it. That game is really fun. It's really simple. It's basically um, there's four decks of cards. There's swords, shields. Uh, oh God, what else is there? Swords, shields, trinkets, and helmets. Mm-hmm. And you, if you look through that deck, they're all just there's no there's no numbers on the cards. There's no like iconography on the cards. It's just artwork. It's just an a uniquely designed one of those objects with a unique color on the background of it. And each of the four decks has an object with that color on the background and also the same kind of style you can look at it and be like this sword definitely goes with this shield you can definitely tell that is you know the same the same thing um, yeah but even if you can't tell that you can go it's got a dark green background that one's got a dark green background and the same and basically you want to get four of the same item and equip them and the way you do this is either at all times the top item on the deck 
is visible. So you can either just take an item from the deck and if you take the item you can either equip it or you can place it in front of you in a row. So some get put randomly but basically there are three rows of cards in the centre between you and your opponent or opponents. I believe it can go up to more people. I've only played it two player. I should double check that before I write a review. Um, but it's you have these three rows of cards and then you can put a card on like the, the end at the left or the right of it or in the middle row as well. Right. And that just is basically just discarding it. But it goes into this big pool of discarded cards basically. But the other thing you can do is you can use one of your equipped cards to, instead of drawing something from a deck, you can use one of your equipped cards to pick up three cards from these three rows in the middle. Okay. And the way that works is basically the row closest to you, you have to have a card equipped that matches the colour of one of the cards that is close, on the row closest to you. And as long as you have that, you can pick up that one card and then the two cards that are diagonal either like up and to the left or up and to the right of it. So think of it as like a grid of cards and you have one that you can pick and then you can pick up any of the other ones from the top, like diagonally left or diagonally right. And you don't have to keep all of them. The way it works is you pick up all three of them and then you have to place three cards back down again. So you can either pick up all three of them and keep them or you can pick up all three of them and put them back down in different order or you can keep just the one you wanted so if you're looking for you know purple cards and there's one purple card all the way to the top left of the grid you can swap one of the ones you've equipped basically to pick up all three in that diagonal get the purple one put the other ones back and then put the one that you used as well back in that place and then you've got the purple one um, so you end up with this kind of weird uh, system where you're picking up cards from the deck that you don't actually need, but are maybe a colour that are similar to something else you have equipped, so that later on you're setting it up so that this grid is in a position that you can pick things up later. Um, and also, like the, you don't become attached to like what colour of item you're trying to equip until we found like partway through it, because like the games I lost of it I lost because I was like I'm getting all the green ones because the first one that came up was this green sword I'm going to get this green sword I'm going to get the rest of them it's going to be great and then none of the other green items came out for the rest of the game and I was cool. like I fucked this up <laughs> oh no right. I should have I should have pivoted to collecting the blue ones or something like that right um, and it's super simple like that grid mechanic is kind of hard to describe but it's one of those things that once you actually see it it makes perfect sense um, right. part of the reason I'm probably going to do a video review for this as well just because it is when you put it down in wards that mechanic doesn't make a lot of sense but it's actually really basic when you are playing it um, but the whole thing is just super simple but it's really fun, really competitive and there's like lots of different routes to victory that you can kind of have so me and Ben played this a bunch of times I say a bunch of times, it's like three or four times in just in the pub and right. I had a fun time with it so I'm going to finish writing up the review I've played it a couple of times since then um, and I'll probably play it 
I'm probably going to play more just in general. That's the thing. Even once I've done a review, this definitely seems like a game that's... That you would keep in, yeah. in the collection. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's really fun, really simple. I really like the artwork on it. The artwork's fantastic. Um, for a game that, you know, the cards don't have anything on them except for artwork. Like, it's kind of crucial that the artwork is good. You right. Know? If they had been like, oh yeah, it's this, we didn't put any iconography or any you know words or any numbers onto any of the cards we just put this artwork on and if it was just fucking like a child's drawing of a hat then you'd be like Uh well you probably should have done something else i guess (laughs) um but it's not and again because it's basically at its core a really simple set collection game like the the set that you're collecting they all the artwork looks unique for that one so like the dark green ones all uh, look like uh, a kind of a pirate set of stuff basically so you've got like the helmet is a tricorn hat and the uh, sword is like a big scimitar and right then instead of a shield it's still marked as a shield but the shield can also just be kind of offhand kind of thing the shield is like a, a gun it's like a little old school kind of pistol thing and then the, oh, trin- right, okay. the trinket's just like a compass and it's like, okay, well, that's they all go together. Or there's, like, the dark red set that are all just basically Sauron's armor from Lord of the Rings. Right. <laughs> um, like, they're all really detailed. And it's one of those things that for almost all of them, you can just look at them and go, those are basically that. Uh, the one issue I kind of had is, I think, partly it was just because of like, the rules explanation. Um, like, we, I kind of skimmed through the rules and Ben went through the rules based on what he remembered from when he had played it before. Um, right. So we kind of skimmed over the bit where the rules didn't really point out either um, where there are different shades of the same colour for some of the items. And yes, the artwork is like different for them. So you can be like, yeah, this green is piratey and then this lighter green is something else. But on the face of it, I was just kind of looking at the colours and I was like, these are both green. So I can use both of these? And it's like, oh no, wait. Those aren't the same green. <laughs> there's multiple sets of greens and there's multiple sets of blues. And that was something that I think is fine once you know about it. Uh-huh. But definitely, like, at, when your only context for the cards is them as they come out, I kind of assumed, oh, the shield for this one just has a slightly lighter green on the card than the helmet does. But actually, they're two different sets entirely. Um... Which is a really minor, minor little nitpick of it, but it was one that kind of screwed me up the first time I played it. Right, okay. Um, but overall, I really like it. Uh, another really nitpicky complaint about it, the box for it, it's like, it's not massive, like it's kind of, it's a... It's a yeah, it's, it's a very small box, yeah. It's a very small box, but then it's also just a deck of cards. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, the box should be way smaller. Most of the box is just, like, a cardboard kind of liner thing, like a, a filler to hold it in place. All right, okay. Like, it's just a deck of cards. You could have fit it in, like, an oink-sized box. Right. See, this is the thing with the kind of European games, though, that we feel that we need to, to justify the money that you spend on it. It needs to be in a bigger box. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I mean, it's still not a big box. But it's, like... Yeah, I well, we we when we picked up a copy of it at uh, at UK Games Expo, I thought, oh, there must be quite a lot in it, but didn't open it when we were there. 
So <laughs> it's just a deck yeah, of cards. Yeah, because it's just a deck of cards. That's weird. I mean, it's a really good deck of cards. And he obviously oh, yeah. like, is, you know, <laughs> not disparaging the game in terms of like the, the components and stuff that are there. It's just the box yeah, is yeah. weird for what the contents are. Like yeah. I can see the argument of wanting a slightly bigger box, even for some of the oink stuff, because the oink stuff, some of the ones that have more components get quite messy crammed into those tiny little boxes. Yes, and like yeah. I'm sure I've definitely lost, you know, some of the money from modern art already, even though I've not played it, just because it's a fucking hassle to open it and close it. Right. So yeah. I can see the argument for a slightly bigger box with things separated, but not when it's just the deck of cards. <laughs> um, it's bizarre, but Throne Storm's a really good game. Uh, I will have a full review of it up soon, hopefully, and hopefully also a video review of it. If I cool. can figure out how to record videos of board games, because that's hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, enjoying it. Uh, you have also been playing Roll Quest, which I believe is also for review. Yes. Yes. So it's for preview. Ah, preview. Yeah. So Roll Quest is from a bunch of guys called Hercules Game Studios, and they reached out to us. Uh, just before UK Games Expo and said, hey, we've got this game called Roll Quest that's coming to Kickstarter. Would you guys be interested in doing, you know, take a look at it and see what you think? And we said, yeah, sure. And they said, no, we'll post it out to you. Um, and we got to talking and we met up at UK Games Expo to, to go and pick it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Roll Quest is... Uh, it's a social role-playing game would be the best way to describe it. So basically it plays three to six players and everyone gets to pick a character. There's six different characters you can pick on, pick from. There's a the town wizard, there's the mayor, there's a blacksmith, there's a necromancer, an innkeeper, and somebody else I'm missing. Um, and what you do is you pick a character and the way the game is played is on your turn you in front of you if you're playing a six player game the maximum number of places within this village that your imaginary village you're playing in will be three mm-hmm. um the six six locations um there's three double-sided cards so six locations but there will only ever be three active um and there may be the tavern there may be the jail cell and something else uh, and on your turn you decide where you're going to move you're going to go to a location you'll end up by the end of the turn you'll end up sharing that location with somebody so when it comes to that's the movement phase on the the playing phase what happens is you will then let's say Kieran you are the blacksmith sure. and I I am the innkeeper and you are coming to me to buy a keg of ale for some reason. Sounds about right. Right. And uh, so that's fine. And we have to role play this situation for 60 seconds. But the game element comes in is that I have a secret personality trait and so do you. So let's say your secret personality trait is that you are absent-minded mm-hmm. and my secret personality trait is that i'm condescending so now we have to play out this scene 
because the scene is given to us by one of the other players that are not taking part in a scene. They come up with a situation why we'd be in the same place and we have to play it out. But we have to do it with these personality traits. So I, you know, you need to um, come to me and uh, to buy this this keg of ale, and I would play it back. I'd play the scene back to you in a condescending manner and try to make that. The only the only restriction in the way that I can play it is I can't use the word of, you know, I can't say, oh, I'm being condescending to you. Yeah. If I if I use the word that I'm trying to convey the personality trait of, you get disqualified. Makes sense. Yeah. So basically, we've got uh, 60 seconds. We play out the scene between us. After the 60 seconds, I try and guess what you were trying, uh, the personality trait that you had, and mm. you would do the same for me. And everyone, uh, basically, if you get it right, you get points. And there's uh, just a slight way of how you figure out what the points are. But uh, I will get, we will both get points uh, if you, excuse me, if you guess mine, we both get points. I get points for performing it. You get points for guessing it. Uh, and the same goes for me. We could end up with, uh, I think you get two points per guess. Uh, so we could end up with four points each, and there's also little treasure cards. I'll tell you about those in a second. Uh, and then it goes on to the next person's turn. Uh, everyone gets a turn to do the little role play scene. They guess each other's actions, and if they get them right, they get points. Carries on for two rounds. After two rounds, whoever's got the most points wins. Simple. Cool. Yeah, really cool. Really neat. Fun. I guess you probably like this quite a lot because it basically sounds like role playing monikers. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because basically the monikers thing of you're describing something off a card but you can't use the term that is on the card. More, yeah. But more. also, instead of it just being you describing a thing, it is you role-playing a thing. Yes, yeah. Which is really cool. So, yeah, you know, so you've, you're trying to put, you're trying to come across as uh, greedy or guilty or childish or boring you know there's all these different personality traits uh you get a card you get two cards and you have to pick one of them each of them has three choices of personality trait on there and they're they're not it's not like you know they're variations of the same personality trait some of them can be wildly different mm -hmm. so you've got quite a, a choice of which one you want to do um there is an element of strategy into it because certain characters get certain bonus points if they uh, do a certain trait so three colors of traits there's a red one so it's kind of a negative one there's a black one which is neutral and a green one which tends to be a bit more of a positive trait mm -hmm. uh, certain characters get bonus points depending on which trait they do so you can kind of play it that way as well we found it's it works kind of a mix you know some people will they will just do a, a trait because they can have fun with it and make everyone else laugh. And that, that we found that was the more the thing with it. It was very subtle and people were laughing and having fun with it. You know, you, you're still trying to get some points and that, but the, yeah. the whole competitive edge wasn't as much. Um, treasure cards are really cool in this game. They have, um, you can pick up a curse. And what a curse is, is, or how it works, is you get to play it when somebody else is just about to do their scene. So, for example, uh, the scene that I had to do was I was the wizard. And, yeah, I was the wizard and I had to be... Oh, I was old-fashioned and I was having a conversation with a necromancer. 
mm-hmm. about the necromancer had come to see me about something. So obviously the wind is going, he's condescending, uh, you know, and he's old fashioned because of this newfangled necromancing. And, you know, in my days, in my days, it was all wizarding with a book and a, you know, a big long cape, a cloak and a, a beard. An app and a, on their phone and it brings people back from the dead. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you know, you're doing that kind of thing. But just before we started, Ben played a curse on me where I had to um, bite my imaginary nails. You know, so I had to try and do this scene, but then I've got, I have to constantly be biting my nails. So my hands are in front of my face the whole time. So nobody can kind of see your facial expression. You can't use your hand. And it makes it quite difficult, but it makes it very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Anne was the the she was the the necromancer and somebody played a curse towards her and she had to physically transform into a werewolf during the, the conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got these weird these funny little curses that work and they it, the game just at that point descends into complete hilarity. Yeah, you know, with all these things happening, and it but and it also makes the guessing of the personality traits very very difficult. Yeah. But what we found is when we were playing, we found that you know we'd stick to two rounds because it, it two rounds will last you twenty minutes. It go it does go pretty quickly. Um, you can the rules are the way the, the the rules were given to us. You know they're quite flexible. They're saying if you feel like it, extend the rules, make them shorter. You know do whatever you wish with them. Um, and it feels like the way they've written the game and they've written the rules is just about you having fun. Yeah. But when we were playing it, we found that we said, well, let's do the first round where everyone gets a chance to you know role play without the curses. And then on the second round, all 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 bets are off. You know, it's just going to be complete mayhem. You're just adding it to the, and it kind of had that kind of Monica's feel to it as well, where you got the vanilla version of the game in the first round, yeah. and then the second the second round, you're stepping it up. It also kind of reminds I, me of, um, like very loosely of, uh, oh, what's it called? Was it Hop? The one where we were throwing the, oh, the rings yes. or the rainbow yes. thing, and yeah. um, you had to there was a like the base game is just you throw what was it a ring onto someone's finger yes and that's just the that's the game but you pick up modifier cards that are like do it while lying under the table do yes it while that's right. standing on one foot and that kind of thing yes um, similar kind of idea but obviously for very different games but i yes, like the yeah. idea of having this kind of modifier thing even if yeah, it's one that's it's... really difficult that someone else has given to you yeah, it's pretty cool. So the the treasure cards have something else on them as well. They, uh, what they call a gauntlet card, uh-huh. and the gauntlet card is: Can you remember playing Uno back in the day with the plus two and the plus four cards? Yeah. So someone would play a plus two. If you could play a plus two, you played it and it skipped on to the next person. Mm-hmm. It went on and on and on. And so somebody couldn't play a plus two or a plus four, and they had to take the number of cards into their hand, depending on how many it was. This is pretty much the same, but the way that it works is you can only play a gauntlet card on somebody that has just done their scene, and you can steal points from them. So you play a gauntlet card in front of them, and they can 
they can bounce it back to you if they've got a gauntlet card. And this exchange can go backwards and forwards until somebody can or doesn't want to play a gauntlet card and they lose and they have to sacrifice the, uh, let's say there's four gauntlet cards that have been played and they can't play a fifth one. They have to give the other person four of their points, their victory points, their goblins, mm-hmm. their goblin heads. Um, we didn't like that. I didn't like it. I, it felt like it was take that. It was unnecessary, yeah. and it was. We we tried it in one of the games. We tried it, and basically all it meant was you could sit through the whole game and just bide your time and build up, gain these treasure cards, and hopefully you got the gauntlet cards, and you could take somebody all their points away, and you would win the game just because it felt it was. It it it's opportunistic and it's me. and it's you know it's a level of take that that take that mechanism that's not needed in this game yeah it doesn't feel like it's kind of like it fits the game yeah it it may be for some but it didn't feel that that was what we were playing the game for you know there was no need for it it just it wasn't needed so but like I said about the rules the rules are quite and everything the way the game the game is put together some of these other things feel modular that they can be added in and taken away as you wish and need Mm -hmm. so playing without them was fine it didn't do anything it you know except that you didn't have to play with the gauntlet cards and it was fine makes sense uh Rogue Quest is coming to Kickstarter probably by the time this episode goes live. So be. I, th- yes. Uh, so the the day is between the 9th and the eleventh of July. <laughs> I say that because I've been talking to Hercules Games, and I think that's kind of the window that they're going for. Yeah, and it's that thing where so I th- we we have a preview ready to go up alongside their kickstarter i believe yes yeah and so we yeah yeah so our preview will go live and we will hopefully this podcast will go out as well so if you're listening to this if the game sounds like something you might enjoy check it out have a look um yeah i i would recommend my official recommendation is check it out um i, <laughs> I would yeah, um, we were talking, you know, the the, so the guys that we've been playing the game with about it afterwards, and the consensus was, would you play it again? Yes. Would you buy it or would you back it? And there was, it was kind of half, half and half. There was some people that say, yes, I would like this in my, in my collection. And uh, Ben, our editor, he wouldn't buy it because it's not a game that he, be able to play out with you know like us yeah it makes sense there's definitely games like there's games i haven't bought because you know things like euphoria that i mainly because the group of friends i play with euphoria wouldn't go over well with yes yeah whereas i know that if i want to play euphoria i can go down and play it with you guys exactly yeah yeah so and that makes sense like that's definitely one of those games it's like it won't fit in for every group yes but the ones that it works for then yeah. yeah um the the only caveat that I would put in with this game as well is that it's better played with good friends or you know friend people you know rather than yeah. people you've just met on that night 
That makes sense. Because let's say you meet somebody who's extremely nervous. Well, how do you know that? How do you, you know, maybe he's just playing, you know, that's his characteristic. Is that the characteristic he's trying to get across? Or is he just a nervous person? Hmm. Um, yeah, so that yeah, kind of thing, it helps if you know the people you're playing with. I think this is definitely one for you, Kieran. I think you would really like it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take a look at it. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Um, excellent. Let us talk about, or let you talk about, the networks. The networks. Uh, so, I'm going to try and remember the networks. Because <laughs> we only played this one once because it was the lengthiest of the games that me and Ben played. Um, right. But it was a really good one. Um, so, networks is a board game where you are running a TV station basically a tv network and yep. you have to uh acquire programming for that to fill different time slots and you have like a little board that has like time slots time slots on one side and then on the other side it has like your green room where you keep actors that aren't currently doing anything and uh your reruns which i'll explain in a minute and then there's just a like basically discard thing at the bottom and the way it works is at the start of every round or the start of every season basically um, like a bunch of cards will get brought out for uh, different TV shows different actors and different adverts and then different uh, there's like modifiers I can't remember what the modifier cards are called uh, but there's like modifier cards basically and you start with some money and you basically want to spend that money to make your channel better or your network better. Right. And the way you do that is you fill your time slot. So each program that is there, which is basically the main thing you're trying to get is you're trying to get programs, have a bunch of stuff. Like this game had some of the most elaborate like cards I've ever seen. Like they managed to cram so much stuff onto cards in such a bright and easy to read way that's fantastic. Um that also has like a lot of charming character to it as well because like all these all these programs have like a ton of different details on them but then they also have their their core thing is they are a parody of something they're a satire or something so yeah you pick up something i forget i can't remember any specific examples and i don't own it so i don't have it in front of me um but you know there's ones that would be like oh this is a part this is very clearly a parody of south park like the the card that got ben the most points for the first like three rounds of the game was a parody of South Park that he kept running because it had really good uh, basically all the programs have this little thing where they age every season you show them for they age slightly and the amount of points they give you is less and less or usually less and less as they get older Right. Um, sometimes they'll get better for like a, maybe first season's a bit rough season 2 is real good though and then it starts going downhill uh, South Park's just like consistently good until like the end and then it's like nothing um, but basically you want to put programs on and you want to fill time slots and each of these program cards has amongst all of this information as well as how many points it gives you depending on how long it's been on it tells you the time slot it's on so you can put TV shows on whenever there's uh-huh. no like punishment for putting something on you know during Watershed or something like that or before Watershed um, but if you put if you match it to this right time slot, you get bonus points basically. 
Right, so if okay. Something, if something says this is a, a morning TV show and you put it on in the evening, that's fine, but you'll get more points if you put it in the morning. Yeah. And then when you're doing that, you also need... Uh, there'll be specific things that each show needs. So um, your show might need... It might require an advert to be on, and it requires an actor. And so before you purchase that show you're going to be spending your turns purchasing actors and adverts. And adverts are kind of weird because they actually don't cost money. They give you money. Um, they give you Usually they give you some money up front. So actually sometimes you'll just be taking adverts with your turn so that you have money to buy actors next turn. Right. And your basic goal is that you're trying to build up these TV shows with actors and adverts that each also add like bonus points to them. Like... If you have a sci-fi show, you might have an actor that is like the the old sci-fi actor that has been in every show, and there's a name for a card that is basically that. Like some of them are really long and silly. It's quite good, um, and you might put him on your sci-fi show because you get bonus points for it, right? And then you put an advert on as well because it gives you money as well. And then at the end of a season, you'll go through all of them and you'll be like well, I get this many points or this many viewers because I've had this show on with this, with this. And also you're trying to balance your money as well because shows cost money to put on and also actors cost... Any actor that isn't in your green room needs paid. So if they're right. in a show, they need paid for that show. So you yeah. kind of need to put adverts on things so that you have money coming in to hopefully try and match the amount of money of going out at least if not more so you have more money to buy things next turn um then at the end of a season you all your shows are still on but they'll age by one so if you put another program on you'll take that one program off the air uh i can't remember i think your actors go back into your green room and your adverts go back into your green room i think um but your shows go into the rerun pile which means they will give you points at the end of that season because uh -huh. you're showing reruns of them still. Like they're still giving you points. Not as many because they're just reruns. They don't have a bunch of actors stuff attached to them. They're, you know, no one's getting paid for it, basically. It's just, hey, we happen to already have this and this on. Um, and then eventually they get put into your discard pile the turn after that. So it's got this kind of cool mechanic of like, even when you take things off the air right away, you'll be getting some points for them later. Uh, ben right. completely destroyed me at it. I was terrible, <laughs> but it's really fun. Um, but yeah, it's I really liked it. It's got a really good theme. The artwork's really nice. Ah. Uh -huh. Um, the, the the core mechanics of it are pretty straightforward. It's just you know, buy things to put on TV shows. Like it's such a really simple concept, and even though there's like multiple stages of things you have to do like they're so easy to just you know go through in your head you just look at the tv show you want and go well i need that one or i want that one because i've got a slot in the afternoon that's got nothing in it so uh -huh. for that one i need an actor and an advert or maybe i need two actors or i need it you know just an advert so which one what is there out that i can pick up this turn instead what do i need to build up to get to that point yeah um, yeah and it's it's great i really liked it um we 
didn't play it with an expansion, although Ben had the expansion. Um, but, right. Yeah, we just played the the base game, and I I really liked it. So cool. Yeah, I would definitely play it again. I really wanted to play again then, but I had to leave. So right. <laughs> we, it took up enough time that we're like, all right, no, I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Ben has started the review on. So there should be a review coming up on the site for that one pretty mm-hmm. soon as well. I suspect it'll be pretty positive because he seemed to be he seemed to enjoy it quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Speak of games, we're pretty positive on. Tell me about dice fishing. Ah, uh, dice fishing, yes. So we've played, uh, I think it was the first time we played dice fishing since UK Games Expo. So we spoke about it when we were at Dice Expo. It's one of the games from Taiwan Board Game Design. So they were, they're now coming to UK Games Expo, which is fantastic because you're getting more of these weird and wonderful games that we're getting from, from Asia fantastic and it is a very simple game so you are uh, all fishermen and you are catching fish Uh, sounds very simple and what you at your disposal is a bunch of dice Mm -hmm. and everyone has a set I'm just grabbing the box in real time as we're doing this because I needed to count how many dice (laughs) <laughs> you get in your hand but you basically get a bunch of d6s uh to roll on your your turn so you get two four five d6s you also get a d20 and a d10 and so the way that it works is uh a fish will come out on you know you thematically you'll spot a fish in the water and it will tell you that this is a uh, the fish is a 17, for example. And what you have to do is you have to roll dice from your hand and get a 17 in one in one roll. But what happens is everyone around the table will bet on how many dice they can do it in. So let's say you say, I can do it with three D6s. I can get 17. Um, which means you would need to technically throw... Uh, two sixes and a five. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and somebody else says, I can do it in four dice. So you do like a blind bet. You know, you put all the dice in your hand and you all reveal them at the same time. Once you go, uh, whoever has the lowest number of dice gets to throw first. Uh, they get one throw. And if they don't, then the next person gets to throw. Whoever, uh, manages to get the the required number gets the card and the card has a certain point level on it that's it you there's 10 cards to fish for and whoever gets the most points wins uh now the d20 and the d10 also have special functions so you can roll them as a normal dice just to get the face value of them but or you can use the special powers that they have they have a modified power and they have a reroll power Reroll power, if you roll an odd number, you get to reroll as many dice as you wish one time. If you get an even number, you get to roll as many dice as you want twice. The modify power is you can modify the pips on a die by one up or down. Even number of times, you can do it on two dice. Uh, 
once you can do it on one die that's it that is that's the game sounds pretty straightforward yeah pretty straightforward and just a lot of fun the modifying so the two modifying dice takes the you know the Kieran, you're the same as me. You have a little bit of uh, if someone says, "Oh, we're just going to roll dice for the game," <laughs> you you kind of go, oh, "I don't know about that." But the modifying is it puts a different element into it where you yeah, can definitely. you know you can change the values of the dice, so it's not as luck based. But there's also this this betting element, you know, this kind of blind blind bid, the blind auction, because mm-hmm. you know. I think you can, you know, whatever number it is you can get. I reckon I can do it in three days. But Ben's Ben's a dodgy fucker. He'll try and cut it down by one. So, <laughs> you know, so you've got these little bit of mind games going on and, and yeah. things like that. Uh, really, really enjoy the game. Uh, it looks, it's got that, this look. The whole game comes in this kind of goldy color box but it's not like a shiny gold it's like a muted gold color (laughs) and um yeah it's the whole thing's kind of understated and yeah we just love the game we played it and i think all three of us bought a copy of it nice (laughs) so i bought it uh straight away and then i think if you listen to the podcast uh that we did there you'd hear me telling them that or I don't even know if we said it on the podcast, but I'd say to them, if there is any of the games uh, within either Oink or Taiwanese board game design that you really liked, you need to buy them because even though they they might be at UK Games Expo next year, not so much Oink, but the, the TBD guys, it will be a whole set of different games. Yeah, they'll they'll be bringing you know, a bunch of different stuff, not just the same stuff. Yeah. Over and over. yeah. Which is kind of the appeal of you know, kind of board game publishers like them. Yeah, the, those guys and uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. You know that when you go to Essen, their their stuff sells out. Sometimes even before the doors open. Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely, they would recommend dice fishing. Lots of fun. Um, we will play it when we do our board game meetup, and I'm yeah. sure you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least find it interesting anyway yeah like I'm not super opposed to board game uh, uh, not board games I'm super opposed to board games don't know if you know this <laughs> yeah, yes, um, yeah. to like dice games but uh, it's just that thing they have to have something else they can't just be uh... like I yes. got that the one I always kind of go to as a reference um, my girlfriend oh, back that uh, play me they... the Alice in Wonderland one yes and th- th- there's literally just dice rolling yeah, like there's some other mechanics, but it's pretty much just roll these dice until you have the numbers in order. And it's like that's not yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're all doing it at the same time as well, aren't? You? Yeah, like and there's some ever... kind of like take that mechanics, but it's like no. Yeah, yeah. They, they were nice dice. We used them for fiasco that one time. So we did. We it did. Was totally worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. Um. We oh we I'll, I'll tell you about that offline as well. But we actually played a game of uh, Fiasco in the car on the way down. Yeah, I remember you guys saying. Um, yeah, which was quite good. But um, yeah, so you have been playing. I think you've got another game for review. Five minute chase. 
Yes, this is one I need to play more of. Um, Five Minute Chase is a real-time game um, where one player is trying to escape the police and then the other player is the police trying to chase the person escaping. And how it works is, like, super simple. Like, it's uh, asymmetrical in terms of, like, you know, the roles. Right. But it's a two-player game. One player is the the person that is um, the escapee, uh, the criminal, has two decks of uh, tiles. They're like kind of big square cardboard, like you know, tiles basically. Uh, that right. have on them different roads that are all kind of connected up, and some of them have items on them. I forget exactly what they are. There's I should have this in front of me. I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, but it ha- they have like it's like keys and you know a couple other things, and then there's also two tiles for like your your hideout, and basically you want to put these tiles down as quickly as possible, connect them all up in a way that works, so that you have a bunch of roads that are all connecting going somewhere, but you want right. to try and go through the ones that have the items on them so that you basically that counts as you collecting that item, and then once you know you've done that, you want to play one of the hideout tiles. So, all of the tiles are split into two decks, which is solely to kind of slow down the criminal. You can only use one deck at a time. So, you're sitting putting down tiles and then putting down that deck and moving to the other one when you suspect. I don't think there's any items in this one. You can look through them in any order. You don't have to, like, just place them and go through the deck, basically. But it's real time. So, if right. the longer you spend looking through the deck, then the more time the police have to catch up with you. And right. I found personally for my brain, um, placing the tiles down because a bunch of the roads are like weird diagonals and stuff like that. Um, placing them down a way that they match up with other roads was actually way harder for me than what the police have to do, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, but basically, the only rules the the criminal has to care about is they have to collect all the items before they go to the hideout. They need to connect up the roads in the way that they could line up which is relatively straightforward you can check that easily just by looking at them uh, and the only kind of weird one is some of the um some of the tiles have roadblocks on them right um like police roadblocks and if you connect a road to that police roadblock as like your way forward you can do that but the road that connects to the roadblock one has to have trees on it which is a really weird specific rule Right. I think the idea is supposed to be there were trees there, so you managed to hide in them and you know get past the roadblock somehow. It's <laughs> nonsense, and it's the only weird arbitrary arbitrary rule like that in the whole game. <laughs> it's just bizarre, um, but it's it's fine. Um, but it's relatively straightforward. So you're doing it as quick as possible to go through this. What the police have to do is even more straightforward. I found at least they have a collection of little round tokens. Uh, right. blue ones and red ones that have triangles and squares on either side and uh, actually I don't even know if they are difficult I think it's squares and triangles I forget um, but basically they have a bunch of different tokens with different symbols on them and each tile that's being placed down by the criminal on each corner will have a collection of witnesses so they're just little little outlines of people sometimes dogs but you know they're there's people there, basically. And on each corner, they also have one of these symbols. 
and all of the people in each of these corners will be looking towards one of the sides of the tile. And so the police has to look at it and they have to find the corner that has the most people looking towards the direction of the next tile that's been put down and then put that symbol on top of it. Right. Unless it is the most recent tile that's been put down, in which case they want the witnesses that are looking in the direction of the last tile and then you put that symbol there. And it's a weird thing to think about, but it's like super straightforward. You're literally just looking at basically arrows on a corner and you're looking for the one that points the direction you want and putting a symbol on it. And the, you catch the criminal by getting, you know, you have to do these in order if you're the police. And so you do these in order right. and if you catch up with the criminal and you manage to sort these all out before they manage to place down more tiles, then you catch them. And I found that way easier to do than as the criminal placing down roads that connected easily. Um, like, I just panicked when I was a criminal and just fucked it all up. But it's really simple, and it's actually quite a fun little game. Um, I quite like the mechanic they have for checking if it's accurate or not. So, each of the tiles... like Basically, the rules specifically say it's a real-time game. It's quite... You know, anxious and hectic. You're right. Go- you're gonna fuck up. Like it's gonna. I mean, it's a kids' game. It doesn't actually say you're gonna fuck up, but it basically <laughs> says you're gonna fuck up. Like they know that uh, if you're putting down these tiles really quickly, you're probably going to make a mistake at some point. You're going to place down a road that. So you have to check them in order. Basically, you, first of all, you check all the roads, and you check if any of them have a roadblock that doesn't then have a tree next to it. If it does then uh, the police get, uh, they have two tiers of victory basically, so there's like a, a soft victory and a hard victory, or a small victory and a big victory and so you get like a small victory if that's the case, or the, the police do, because the criminal fucked up right, and then if they didn't do that, and it's fine, and they collect all the stuff and you've checked that the roads all work you go through all of them one by one for the police, which is you take the token that the police have put on top of it of what they think should be it and then you flip over the tile in the direction of um, that the people should be looking in. Right. And so when you flip it over, you're going to have the symbol on the bottom of the tile like pointing in the direction that you're looking for. So if, for example, uh, you can place them down as much as you want. It takes a lot of table space. Um, but say you just put two like right next to each other, left and right then when you flip the one left you want it pointing to the right because that's the last one it came from mm-hmm. or if it's um, not the last one in the tile then the right one you want it facing left because that's the last one so far in the route um, but you have the little symbol there and you can just easily flip them over, check that your symbol's right flip over the next one, check your symbol's right and it's really quick to check them, it's really smart and this like checking process is super super fast super quick and you get uh again the criminal gets like a small victory if you fucked up on one of them right the idea is like hey the witnesses you know you you had faulty witnesses they said oh that dude went over there and you were like oh yeah they did and you were wrong and you lost them uh, and then you get like full victories if you're the criminal and you escape and you collect all the items and you get to your hideout 
or if you're the police and you stop them before they get to their hideout, which is how every single one of the games I played went. <laughs> right. I feel like this game is heavily... I need to play more of it. That's the reason I'm not writing a review yet. Like, I'm going to play more of it. But my first impressions are that this game is heavily biased towards the police. Like, I think it's just... I need to play more just in case, but my impressions so far are the police bit's just easier. Right. Like, it's just easier to do. It's easier to do fast. It's easier to not fuck up. So... Like, yeah, I think the police just have an advantage at all times. Right. Um, which is a shame if it is the case, because I actually quite like the game. I think it's a smart idea. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, if it doesn't... If it, if it's not balanced 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, how does it compare, or how do you prefer it to a Fugitive? Um... So they're very different games, obviously, but uh, on the face of it, I definitely prefer Fugitive, because it's a right. little more thinky. It's a uh-huh. more deduction. It feels like you're actually tracking someone down. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of funny you mentioned this as well, because the artist that worked on Fugitive and like Paperback and stuff like that worked on a new game that Tim Furs is also kind of promoting, but it didn't work on, I don't think. It's on Kickstarter uh, yes. just now. Yeah, uh, I... Get getaway yeah, or drive away? Yeah, getaway. Which on the face of it is very similar to this game. It's right. more complex than this game and it's turn based, I believe, it's not real time. Um there's more going on basically. But on the face of it, it is you're placing like tiles down as a getaway route and there's Right. Like if you looked at them side by side, like just the Kickstarter page of that and that one, you'd be like, Those are really those are the same genre of games, right? And they're right. not, but they look very similar to start with. Um, I'm actually I'm really interested in playing that one. I've not backed Getaway yet, but I want to try it. Um, but yeah, it is. I think it would work better with like a younger audience. But even then, like I think the it might just be my dumb brain finds the police stuff easier. Right. The reason that the criminal stuff was, you know so biased towards the police when I played it was just because I was bad at the criminal part of it. Right. Um, it may, it, it, like, that's the thing. I've only got my one session of playing it so far to really go by, in which case it may even be a game I need to get two other people to play and just watch to right. figure out because it could just be a case of I'm terrible at the criminal bit and good at the police bit, in which case every time I play it, the it's going to go the same way of the it's going to seem biased towards the police because if I'm good at the police bit and bad at the criminal bit it's always going to look like unless I'm playing with someone who's really good at the criminal bit it's always going to seem like it's biased towards the police yeah um so I mean you need to just like get other people to play it and watch them play it but even then on its core that's an issue like that's that's a problem with the game um but yeah I'm I like it but I'm going to play more of it and hopefully it, you know, works out and it's not as iffy as I think it is, as I'm leaning towards it being, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, Five Minute Chase is, is interesting, yeah. at least. Yeah, I think, um, if I remember correctly, they they were still, uh, you know, demoing it at UK Games Expo and there was, the, there is a little bit of a buzz about the game as well. 
I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know the. I didn't listen to it yet, but I know the um, the Sharp and Sit Down guys played it as well. All um, right. They mentioned it in their last podcast because they did a couple of podcasts at UK Games Expo as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I like the idea of it, and I think it's all right. It's just I need to. On the face of it, I don't think it's very well balanced. So yeah, it's going to keep coming down to that. Um, it's sure. also cheap though. Like looking online, it's like fourteen quid. Like his. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I it was one of the things I saw the guys that do it. Is it card and dice or cardboard uh, or board and dice? Board and dice. You're close. Uh, you got most of the words. I was yes. So they <laughs> did uh, Pocket Mars, which is a really good game. Yeah. They also did Super Hot. Yeah, and I like Super Hot quite a lot. Yeah. Um, they did do a game called a worker placement game called Beer Empire, which wasn't as hot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, they they seem to be doing nice little indie things. So yeah, and if nothing yeah, else, like, it's a nice concept. Yeah, and it's a thing where maybe it doesn't work a hundred percent, but it's a cool, unique thing that might be worth yeah. owning in your collection anyway. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, five man chase. I'm going to play more of it. It'll probably come back up in the podcast again. Yeah. Yeah, and you've been playing another thing you picked up at UK Games Expo, uh, Band Manager. Yes, I really want to play so much. Of all the games you picked up at UK Games Expo, it was the one that I was like, like you sent me a message being like, "Hey, Kieran, is there anything you want me to pick up for you at UK Games Expo?" And I was like, (laughs) it was so close to saying, "Can you just get me Band Manager?" Yeah, it was just so much. It was so much money, and I didn't have that much money at the time. I yeah, like, I can't. Be- oh, band manager, though. <laughs> so yeah, band manager is by Original Content London. I think is the the publishers and the, the developers. It's the same guys that have made uh, Thronestorm. Yeah, I was gonna say so Thronestorm. There is their second game. Uh, band manager was the first game, and. Oh man, that game is so good. So, if you have listened to UK Games Expo, you'll know the gist of it. But if you haven't, it's basically a negotiation game. So the idea is that you want to go on a tour, and basically the idea is to get fans. Fans equals victory points is what you're playing towards. You are playing towards twenty-seven, I think it is, if I remember correctly. So you're playing for 27 fans. And the way that you do this is you go on tour. Now, you can go on a... There's four levels of tour, one through to four. Uh, level one being the easiest, and it basically all you need to go on tour is you need uh, one each of the different sets of uh, things that you need. So I think you need rifts, chops, gear, and something else and I can't remember what it is for the life of me <laughs> but there's basically there's four four suits of cards that you have to play and um, so you start off with I think three cards uh, three cards in your hand um, and it's possible that you're not going to be able to do you know to do this uh, yeah you need uh, chops, hype, gear and riffs 
that was the, the final thing I couldn't remember. There's four things. Uh, as the later levels go on, you will need fans as well. But the, for the, the bottom level, you'll need the four things. On your first go, like I said, you probably wouldn't be able to do this on your, your own. So what you're doing is you are negotiating with uh, everyone else in the game who you're playing against. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this semi-cooperative thing that you've got going on. And it's all about the negotiation. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the tour, um, you will earn fan, fan cards and gear cards or career cards based on the number so you've got those four suits of cards that i said and some of them have a uh, no number on them so they're not worth any reward points when you use them on a tour there's cards in varying values from one through to four uh there is only like one four card in each of the four suits but there's maybe you know six threes and seven twos and that that kind of breakdown of the different numbers and what you're doing is you're negotiating with everyone. If you use your four card to help me on this tour, I will, you know, I'll share the loot with you. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to screw you over in the loot or whatever the negotiation is. Mm -hmm. um, what happens is at one point when you put all the cards down to go on the tour, you once that's decided, you then argue about um, who gets what card. Um, now, the reason this is important is because, let's say you put down a four card, you would want that four card back. But also what you want to do is the, the cards are put in a set, a specific, um, a specific, a specific line, yeah. uh, depending on the suit. And they, they, depending on going left to right, that also determines who gets first pick of the the loot, the you know, the rewards from going on a tour. I keep calling it loot, but it's the the rewards, the fans, and the the gear. And so, let's say you may sacrifice your you know a lower level card, or sorry, a higher level card to pick a lower level card, but it means you get first pick of everything. Okay. So, but the band manager might not want you to do this. You know, yeah. he he may. Uh, so the band manager always gets first pick of the stuff, no matter what. But then, if he gets the 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 leftmost card, if he claims that card, he would also then get the the first pick from there. Yeah. So he'd get first pick as bank manager, as band manager, but he would also get first pick depending on where his his player marker was. Mm -hmm. So there's there's the negotiation about uh, bring your card in here and you play this card, I'll play that card, and we'll go on the tour. Uh, and then there's the second negotiation of, well, I want first pick, I want second pick, I want third pick, or I want my card back. No, you can't have your card back. I'll take this card. <laughs> and it, basically, it de it devolves into this. Uh, I want that card back. No, I'm sorry, you're not getting that. Card and back. are those this cards? I want. Are those cards like in you know thematically like? gear yes so it's like yeah. basically going hey tours over i'm gonna take your guitar by the way yes <laughs> yes so, so there's like <laughs> i know i'm the drummer but i yes, kind of fancy yeah. your guitar yeah and um yeah so but you can get into a situation where you say fuck it i'm not going on your tour stuff you yeah. and you don't go on the tour you take your cards back so you get no rewards but then they have to either go on a tour with less, you know, lesser value cards, so they're not going to get the same rewards. Or even sometimes worse comes to the worst, where 
everyone says, Rob, well, that's it. We're not going on a tour. Fuck it. You can do it yourself. <laughs> and if you can't do it yourself, you have to lose your turn, but you draw a card. That's it. <laughs> so that's your turn. And the, the cool thing about this, I think we mentioned it on the podcast that uh, when we did the UK Games Expo one, is the guys had sent us a little email, I think, afterwards. And the way this game, the idea, genesis for the game came about was uh, during his day job, he was not too far away from a music studio where his mm -hmm. friend worked. So he used to go and hang out there. And he would sit and listen to all these stories about these bands bickering and fighting. With you know the infighting is like they're my drumsticks. What do you mean they're my drumsticks? Fuck you! And bands would break up, yeah. <laughs> you know, over a set of jump drumsticks, or you know, uh, she was my, you know, she was my fan first. Why did yeah. you have to go out with her? And there was these real stand-up sit-down fights, and these guys would just bitch and fight with each other, and they've turned it into this negotiation game, which is absolutely fantastic. That's pretty great. <coughs> Excuse me, but we, you know, we've also spoken about the the components. The board game is, uh, or the game board is a t-shirt. Yeah, I like that. It's a band t-shirt. It's uh, the front of the t-shirt says "Band Manager" on it, and it's got the the game logo and everything. Uh, sorry, the back of the t-shirt has got the band logo, uh, the game logo, and it's "Band Manager," which is really cool. And the front of the t-shirt is the game board. Mm -hmm. uh, you could wear the game board if you wished but you know um probably gross than when you actually want to play games yeah <laughs> but it is amazing the cool thing about it as well the really cool um thematic things about the game so the game board is a t-shirt the expansion which gives you player powers so you pick um certain characters that you have in your entourage and they, you may have the the chief roadie, you know, and what his power is is uh, he reverses the turn order. So instead of the you know uh, right uh, left to right picking the the goods, it goes the other way around. Okay. And there's various things, but these things are on embroidered band patches. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, the player tokens. So instead of having a meeple or a player token, it's mm -hmm. a pin badge. Oh, that's great. It's a pin badge with a symbol. It is just amazing. But all of this stuff is in the base game. That's cool. So they they, they brought out like a special edition. Um, but this stuff is just the, in the box the standard game. What's the yeah. special edition given? So the special edition, uh, instead of having the pin badges or oh, mm. i think it has the pin badges but it adds plectrums that's cool yeah so you have plectrums instead of that the game comes in a steel you know like a an amp case yeah like one a, of the like cases a, a gig case okay yeah a marshall like a marshall amp case that's cool and these things were absolutely gorgeous they were stunning and they were saying about them because we were talking to them about them and they said that the weirdest thing was that you know these things are designed to take punishment to take mm -hmm. beating and that's why they look the way they are and they're big and bulky but the biggest thing about when they were sending them out to people is that they then put these things that are meant to get bashed and take a beating and everything and they're putting them in big fuck off boxes and padding <laughs> so they don't get damaged that's so dumb that makes sense yeah 
So it was uh, really good, uh, really cool. Love the game. And you pick it up on Amazon now. Yeah, I remember checking when uh, you were down there. Yes, yeah. Uh, still pick it. It's uh, £40. Like I said, it is quite pricey for the type of game that it is. But when you see those components, yeah. it does add something to it. Um, yeah. So I wasn't too mad at, you know, not picking it up. I do feel like it'd be one of those games where next time I come down to yours and play board games, or you come up here and like bring that. Oh yeah, I think absolutely. it's one of those things where next time I basically when I get a chance to play it, I think I will probably end up buying it. <laughs> It'll be one of those games. I think so. Yeah. So I think uh, we got another game to talk about which uh i've put down as the name of the game and you called it that beer one i couldn't remember it (laughs) (laughs) so yes so uh micro brew is a worker placement game it was developed by guys called one free elephant and the reason that it came out i think ben was telling me it was a kind of a game jam and the idea was to build a or create a mint tin game. Yeah, there's been a few of these kind of yeah. So games are fit in a you mint know. Tin. Yes, yeah. And what they've done is they've created a a two player worker placement game. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to run through how it works? Do you want me to do it quickly? Um, you should do it because you've probably played it more recently than me. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, like like I said, it, it's a worker placement game. And what you're doing is you are brewing beer. So you've got a, a just to do a couple of actions, uh, different actions that you can do on your turn. On your turn, you have got a, you've got two cards. So everything's got very small form factor, but you have a a copper still full of different ingredients of beer. Uh, so there is. There's uh, two variations of dark mm-hmm. ingredients of beer, and there's two variations of light ingredients of beer, and there's also uh, green little tokens that get added in. These are imperfections that will come into your copper still as you're you're mm-hmm. brewing this beer. Um, and what happens is basically like um, I'm trying to think of a video game reference where you would move these little pieces around. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a bejeweledy thing, but not quite because they can only move in one direction. Yes, um, yeah. But like the core mechanic of it is you can through some of the actions in the worker placement part of it, there's this old little mini game basically of you can move around the ingredients inside your still, but Yellow ingredients can only the lighter ingredients can only go up. Dark ingredients dark- can only go down. Yes. So a valid move has to be one of those going up, and if it's like swapping places, it has to be swapping places with something that can go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of imperfections, which can go wherever the fuck they want. So yes. you can kind of imperfections are actually kind of good. They're bad if they end up in your actual beer, but they're good because you can basically use them to maneuver around your board and move things out of place. Like you can yeah. use imperfections as a way to make, you know, darker things move up and lighter things move down if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. So basically, that's part of the game is this mini game that Kieran says, and you're moving these ingredients. And 
once you get them into a <clears throat> excuse me a vertical line of four you could brew them as a beer and say this is the type of beer that i'm going to brew now the you can only brew that beer if you have a recipe you start the game with certain recipes in your hand and uh, there's also re uh, general recipes for the two of you they can use so i'm only able to brew a recipe that um if it's in my hand only i can brew it but if it's in the common marketplace then either myself or kieran would be able to brew it so that's the second option that you can do. You can brew these beers. Um, these beers, once you brew them, need to ferment. So you take all the tokens that you've got on them, pop them on, and they basically it takes a couple of turns for them to be ready. Once they're ready, you can do another action and serve them to a customer. Customers, you will have customers in your hand. Uh, you start off the game with one customer in your hand, and there is also, again, this common... Uh, customers in the marketplace they come out at the beginning of every turn the object of the game that you're trying to do here is you're trying to win these customers over the way you do that is you serve them the perfect beer mm -hmm. they will tell you what type of beer that they had they like on the card and what that beer consists of the four ingredients um, so what you're trying to do is one get the recipe that they like and then brew that recipe and then serve it to them and you're trying to do this before your opponent can as well so you're trying to acquire the recipe. Um, there's various other, there's various actions that allow you to gain recipes, uh, other than just taking them when you brew them. Yeah. Uh, you can buy recipes uh, from. Uh, I think it's it's not uh, it's not. Yeah, I forget this person called it, but yeah. Yeah, but there's a way that you can get more recipes before your opponent gets them. You don't actually and, even have to buy them. You just have to. They're basically in a, a communal pool. And if you make them, then that means you you have them. Yes. Like you you yeah. you were the first one to make them. That means you invented that recipe, basically. That's right. Yeah. I also like the mechanic um, where um, if you you don't have to serve someone their perfect beer. No. You can just serve them whatever garbage you want, and and you will you will get some money. You'll get some money. You won't get full benefits of it, but also they won't drink anymore. They'll be like, oh, yes. I'm done. I'm going to take a break. And you basically flip over the card until the next turn. Yes. Until the next like, round. So basically, you can also use it as a way to fuck over your opponent. So if you see, like, hey, Mike is clearly working on that beer to win over that person. Yes. I'm going to, feed, I'm going to give them this garbage. They're going for a nap now. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's it. Uh, there is also a worker. Uh, so you could spend a worker to un unfuck yourself yeah basically and, and yeah flip it over so yeah that's basically the game um it's quite chunky in term you know there's quite a lot of worker placement and things that you can do in it yeah i i liked it you know it was quite novel to have this rather complex worker placement game that came in a little mint tin and eventually it took up quite a bit of area on the table and things like yeah. that but i have pardon the pun i have bigger and better games in that kind of style the, the worker yeah. placement for me i felt that the actual worker placement bit of it is a bit too shallow Whereas I really liked, right? I really liked the the mini game bit of it. Like I really liked the actual, you know, rearranging the shit to make your beer 
uh-huh. stuff. I really thought that was really smart, really good. Um, and the work placement stuff, like there is a decent amount of depth to it, but I, there was just something about like it's a tiny little board, and there's like basically four or five things you can do. Yeah, um, but one of them is just reset it. You know, and then there's also this other one. There's the manager or whatever it is that basically goes around and forces an action. Yes, yeah. Um, and like I, I liked it. There was just something about it that didn't really super click with me. Um, I think it's a good game, but like you said, there's bigger and better worker placement games, and but it would be kind yeah. of useful just as like a little. Well, I don't know. I guess even then, I think it's maybe too, too big. Even though. Like size-wise, it's small, but in terms of complexity, it's maybe too big for a tiny little game that I'm taking somewhere. Yeah, that's that's what Ben had said. It yeah. was like, oh, but you know, you could take this with you, and it's like, yeah, I can take it with me, but at the end of the day, I still need the kind of. It still has a big footprint. Yeah, it's that thing where, I think personally, I think it fits a specific type of new gamer. Like, there's probably a decent amount of gamers out there who the idea of having a fully fledged or close to fully fledged worker placement game they can chuck in their bag and it's not a massive box they can just carry around is probably great for them yes yeah for me as like not that person when it comes to little games that I can stick in my bag and play at some point it's going to be something lighter it's going to be an oink game it's going to be something um, yeah that I can pick out and play like if i'm playing it with a group of people usually usually if i'm keeping a small game in my bag which i usually do it's something light that i can play with people while waiting for something it's not so it's not going yeah. to be a fully fledged euro game it's going to be a deep sea adventure because it takes like yes 10 minutes it's going to be uh oddball aeronauts because it's top trumps it takes like two minutes to explain you don't need a table and that's it um you know, it's going to be something yeah. like that. It's not going to be a fully fledged Euro game. Yeah, that's it. You know, if I was, if I had the hankering to play that kind of game where I'm making something, I'm going to go and I'm going to grab Viticulture. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to make wine instead of beer. Yeah. And I'm going to have an entire vineyard, have all sorts of things. It, it was good, but, um, so we are going to do, I think we're going to do, a. a an in-depth preview of this game. So this game is, it's another prototype. It's got stuff coming to Kickstarter soon. Yeah. This is kind of a review copy that they've handed out. <laughs> it's very um, much a pre-release copy. Yeah. The artwork um, is early. But also they give us samples of the final artwork, which is very yeah, nice. I, I, I like the way the final artwork Oh, re- really? Do you not like it? No, I did have some issues with it. Um. Yeah, the so some of the arc there is a depiction of certain races, oh, and really? I thought who knows this. Yeah, so there's um your customers, and you know it will tell you it won't give you a name, but it'll give you a country where they're from, and then it'll tell you the the type of beer that they like. Uh-huh. And there was one of the sample cards that they've got. And I found it quite offensive. Oh, really? It was very stereo. The art was, you know, the, the depiction of this race was very stereotype. And I th- I thought it was borderline offensive. Okay. Um, I, I don't think it's intentional. 
No, I don't think so. I think they were just uh, leaning into the stereotype thing, but maybe not. They didn't want to go as far as it to be an offensive one. Like the Scottish yeah. dude that's there is a stereotype as well. Yeah, um, they, they, they've done it with some of the things, but these ones were, you know, getting to the borderline insulting. Hmm. Yeah, um, I will. I'll, I'll show you some of the artwork later on. Um, okay. But yeah, it was. It's an okay game. Um, I think uh, Ben and myself are probably going to work on something. I don't know if we're going to do a video. We'll do something for it as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth doing a video with preview art. Um, is the only thing. Yeah, that well, that's the other thing as well. Roll quest, uh, and roll quest as well. Uh, I didn't mention it that you know it's one of those games where the components don't need to be. Yeah. You know, it's one of the games. It's more the concept, yeah, that you're interested in the components. I feel for most of the uh, most time with Microbrew, like the the it was kind of same thing where the artwork didn't really matter too much. Um, I actually kind of liked how the the low rent artwork of the like the still looks. Yeah, I, I, I yes, it looks nice. Yeah, um, like actually when. Ben like was setting it up. I was like, "Oh, these these cards with the stills look quite nice." And Ben was like, "Really? This is like prototype art." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I yeah, like it." I, yeah, I quite liked it. I um, liked the stills. I I actually liked the patrons. I liked the the customers. <laughs> yeah, because the prototype art is like a little Lego man. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought it it just kind of you know to go with the kind of dinky idea of it. Yeah. yeah I uh, the one thing I would say that I thought did mess with it a little bit. Um, in terms of the artwork for Microbrew, uh-huh. um, which I, f- judging from the pro, uh, like the the full art that they gave us samples of, um, will continue into the full game, is the beers themselves. So it's not easy to look at a beer, like directly and go, this is something that this person likes because. Uh-huh. There's different. There's the same beer bottles used for different recipes, which makes sense in the context of it being beer, because you would have different beers made different, or the same beers made yes. different ways and whatever. But in terms of the gameplay, it's like I look at, you know, the Scottish guy, and he wants uh, this bottle that has like a yellow label on it, and I see a recipe with one the yellow label on it, but it's not the same beer, so yes. it's not going to be his perfect beer. Yeah. Um, but then also, there's a lot of different combinations, so I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to make different. You know, beer bottles for every single one. Uh-huh. It would help. It would be. It would make. It would make that part of the game just a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. But like, it didn't break it or anything like that. It was just. Yeah. Yeah. But, cool. So we have one last game, which I think we're gonna skip. Uh, uh, we can talk about it. I think Ben's coming on next week. I think Ben's going to be joining us the week after as well. So I played it with Ben so we can chat about it then. Makes sense. Um, it, it's a, a game that Ben has. It's another one we have for review. So we can probably talk about it then, mention it then. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Cool. Have we got any news or any need to talk about? I didn't even open up any news. So let's say no. <laughs> Uh, ben did send some things, uh, so I can find those emails very quickly. If you want to do new releases, right. yeah, I'll do new releases. We'll mix things up a little bit. So, uh, 
let's look for the week ending the 10th, I think. Uh, no, not even. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just ignore me. I've been away for this for so long, I've forgotten how I, how I even do the new releases. So we're looking at week ending the 13th of July. Uh, we've got a couple of things. We've got uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One and Switch, we've got Bomber Crew from Curve Digital. I, one I'm quite interested in. Yeah, it looks very cool. Yeah, so it's basically you are management sim, but you're managing a flight crew on a World War II bomber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I Coming out from Sega on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch is Shining Resonance Refrain. Uh, it's a RPG. It's a pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Coming to PlayStation 4 and Switch on the 13th of July is the All-Star Fruit Racing. It's basically... It's a Mario Kart type game. Yeah, but instead of all your favorite mascots, it's fruit. Yeah, which is weird. Um, Yeah. Uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is coming to Switch in 3DS on the 13th as well. That game's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I never I, played it. No, I never played it. Uh, it seen the the stuff at E three for it, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Earthfall coming out on PC, Xbox One, and PS four as well. I don't know what that is. Uh, myself, I'm not. Gearbox Earthfall. Publishing. So we've also got Hero Defense coming it's to for Dead Inspired Co-op, sure. Oh, okay. Sorry. Fair enough. Uh, the uh, movie tie-in for Hotel Transylvania 3, Monsters Overboard, comes out on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. I had no idea there even was a third one. Uh, yeah, we have seen a trailer for it when we went to go and see something. And uh, Lego Incredibles coming out on the 13th as well. Again, on the three, the three major platforms, mm-hmm. PlayStation... Xbox and Switch. That's probably fine. Those Lego games are usually good. Yeah, yeah, so probably. And then, uh, big one for you, Kieran, on the 13th as well, Octopath Traveler. Yes, I have that pre-ordered. I'm looking forward to it. Quite a bit. Uh, there is a lengthy yeah, download I, just now. I liked it. Um, I probably will pick it up. I don't know. It seems, I love the art style of it. Yeah. It's so good. So... Cool, excellent. Have you? So, what news have we got? Uh, so there's probably more stuff, but I've just got the ones that Ben sent, which is, uh, Toejam and Earl is coming out. The new Toejam and Earl back in the groove, which was a Kickstarter game, uh, is coming out in fall this year, fall right. 2018. Um, and there's like a new trailer for it and stuff like that. It looks cool. I never really played much Toe Jam and Arrow, but they're making a new one. Yeah, same. Um, this one's for a game that came out what is now a week ago, so I'm going to ignore that. Um, <laughs> and then this other one is one that Ben himself, I'm sure, is very excited for. Um, personally, it doesn't do a lot for me, but hey. Uh, Soy Desco uh, revealed that they are making Truck Driver for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Right, okay. 
truck driver. Truck driver aims to deliver a fresh, career-driven trucking experience. Yeah, uh, the stunned silence, I'm just leaving it at that. Unlike any other trucking experience, truck driver is completely focused on the career mode. Yeah, he's still not winning. By valuing the game aspects over the simulation aspects, Zoe Desco aspires to bring the fun factor back to the trucking genre. So it's like an arcadey truck driving game. Because I you may get actually to, genuinely be into that. Do you get to pick up prostitutes and murder them? Whoa, truck drivers don't do that. <laughs> I don't think. I hope not. Um, did you know that uh, truck drivers are the like number one source of employment in America? That would make sense. It is the most common job in America. Oh, really? It's why... Or it's definitely up there, at least. It's why uh, automation is a real scary thing. Because once you have self-driving trucks, well, (laughs) that's a whole lot of unemployed Americans. Yes. So, um, robots, please don't take our jobs. (laughs) On the bright side, though, robots can't podcast. Yes, yes. So we're in the clear. Yeah. Probably. Maybe. Yeah, uh, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What else have you got? Uh, that's all. That's all the news I've got. Cool. Uh, right. I don't think there's anything else to add apart from to thank everyone for listening into our nonsense, same as usual. If you have any comments, concerns, complaints, uh, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchrygaming.com Truck drivers, if please you... send your emails directly to Mike. <laughs> you, you, you would send all those complaints to me. They know I'm a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us. We Our page is Glitch Free Gaming. We have a Twitter. You can follow us at Glitch Free Game. And, of course, don't forget about www.glitchfreegaming.com, which is our very cool website where we will have all these lovely reviews with the board games coming up soon. Uh, previews, we're starting previews as well. And Ben has been, he has got lots of things coming out. We've got lots of people writing, contributing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, it's where you can find the newest episode of the podcast as well if you're not got us on iTunes or I forget what our other podcast thing is called uh Stitcher yeah we don't yeah. have a well, Podbean I guess would be the main Podbean, one yes, <laughs> the yeah. one we actually go through um yeah the, we're not I don't think we're on like Google podcasts because it's not out here because Google right. seems to not realise that podcasts are a you- global thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, follow us, or if you want to shoot us an email, do so, or send us a tweet, comment on the Facebook page. That is perfect. And uh, I think that's it. Any uh, last thoughts? Check out our YouTube channel. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, check out our YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash user slash glitch free game. That actually yes. works now. I don't know when that got fixed. I don't know how oh. we must have got enough views or something that Google bumped us up from a fucking random code. 
All right. Well, you can find us uh, at Glitch Free Gamer slash user slash Glitch Free Game. Oh, sorry, youtube.com slash Glitch Free Game. Oh, fuck it. Excellent. You, you heard it the first time. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, we haven't. The last video we had that went up was Northgard, which went up a month ago now. Um, right. But I have some stuff in the pipeline. I have a series of Switch videos that are going to go up in the next couple of months. Joe. I'm trying to make a backlog of stuff so that I can <laughs> have a regular release, release schedule, at least for a while, of videos. Uh, but then hopefully we'll do some board game stuff, and also I'll just throw that up as they get made. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Excellent. So until next time, we will see and catch you again. See Bye. Ya.